Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hi everyone and welcome to the Cognitive Recalibration Podcast. As always, I'm your host Shravan. Tyrant is again absent for this episode, but we are joined by three guests. So we've been on a bit of a Lord of the Rings series over the last three episodes. Uh, so we've got returning guests from each of the three episodes. So uh, welcome Baska, Kiridi and Bhargav. Hey everyone, good to be back. <laughs> I don't think we deserve an applause. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's an applause for this TV show that we're about to review. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Yeah, yeah, so obviously we've got you all back because we're talking about Rings of Power. So it's Lord of the Rings prequel series. We'll get into our thoughts on it, but it's uh, it's obviously very divisive on the internet as well. There's been a lot of commentary about this from different areas. Um, a lot of people want to talk about this. So it's going to be a very interesting episode. So as usual, we'll do a bit of background. Then we'll go into our positives and negatives, uh, spoiler free. And then we'll do we'll spend most of the episode on spoilers. Question. But, yep. When you say it's a prequel. Is it considered a canonic prequel? I don't it's not, right? Think so. You mean with in relation to the other two the the other movies? Yeah. yeah. No. No. No, no. So the So the movies were based on like probably oh, you know, the Hobbit trilogy and So that's a Lord different universe to this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we got universes now. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I this is officially a separate universe, but Warner Brothers owns the rights to all depictions, like visual depictions of Peter Jackson's trilogy, technically. New Line Cinema has cooperated with the Amazon Prime folks to, to for the Amazon folks to use the names and that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, I think but the they don't why have the rights to Tolkien's work fully. The concepts they can reference the Lord names. of the Rings and the Hobbits and the appendices, and they can't talk about anything in the Silmarillion explicitly. Yeah, I think like the estate like hasn't sold the rights of the Silmarillion yeah. yet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So mean, yeah, it, good it, decision. <laughs> It's a bit, of, yeah. I think that that's the nice, starting uh, point of like a lot of misunderstanding between people. Like, there's not much knowledge of what they can and can't talk about. It's it's kind of you know in in the shadows. But we, 
I think we get a hint from watching the series of what they what they are not touching on and what they kind of try and skirt around. Yeah, I mean, a bit of background on when this is set. So it's in the second age of Middle Earth, which is thousands of years before Tolkien's Hobbit. It is produced, so it's Amazon Studios, but it is produced in co- uh, cooperation with HarperCollins, which is a publisher, and New Line Cinema. So they have some stake in it, but yeah. obviously they still can't reference the original trilogy or the Hobbit movies yeah, as well. Or physical likeness, I think, is what I saw. So like if, if you saw some weapons or artifacts or rings that from the Peter Jackson trilogy, they can't mimic those 100%. Yes. And look like them, but not exactly. So Amazon bought the rights back in 2017, November 2017, and they've already committed to making five seasons. So uh, worth at least $1 billion so, that, so that $1 billion was across the whole five? Okay. Five seasons, yes. ah. yeah. So they bought the rights for $250 million, and then they've committed to a billion across five seasons. Okay. Yeah. Which is still- I thought it was a billion season. just for this season, which was kind of unbelievable. I think the season yeah. is 500 mil. So each episode was about $50 million on average. Which is nuts. Yeah, that's, that's eight, interesting. Eight, though. eight episodes, yeah. Uh, this is obviously Amazon Studios. So Jeff Bezos was actually quite uh, interested in this, even though it's like it's one of the legs in his company. But he was quite interested in acquiring the rights for this um, particular franchise, and he really pushed to get the the rights under them. And he wanted to do something on the scale of Game of Thrones. So that's the reason he was really keen on getting it. So they were in competition with Netflix to get the rights, and they ended up getting them. And so the first season was filmed in New Zealand. Interestingly, the second season, they're moving to UK. So they're not filming in New Zealand. That's interesting. Yeah. That's interesting. One one of the like highlights of at least watching this first season is at least you get to see the sights of New Zealand again. I don't know how they're going to pull that off for the second. Maybe they're going to transition into a different area. That yeah. must mean that it's the settings and what they're going to be focusing on yeah. will change. Because if you're using, what in this season required New Zealand? I think more more of the different locations. The Grand. Oh, some people are starting in the east of Middle Earth. Some people are starting off in Linden. So the variable locations may have led yeah, the requirement like, to go. To I New guess Zealand. that means that the stuff in like pre mortal, all those scenes in the farmlands and stuff, must have been New Zealand. They're not using those anymore, obviously. Yeah, and then Val- the Valinor. Oh yeah, that was also that definitely was New, New Zealand. Zealand, and then yeah. also Numenor, New Zealand as well. Well, that, no, those hills mostly. And, that was a anything that it wasn't like, like a natural set. Yeah. It looked like set. Yeah. But you know that when they're like riding a horse to get to like the, the western side of Namibia. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh gotcha. if that is what they did, which I don't think actually is what they. I don't know what. The, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> but when they were when they're going across or traversing, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. they had like which technically doesn't make sense because islands don't really exist like that. New Zealand is the one exception. Yeah, I mean, if they filmed in New Zealand, it's not that big on the map. Howard Shaw composed the theme of the show, but he's not the composer for the whole show. So there's uh, the actual composer is Bear McCleary. Uh, Bear McCleary, yeah. It's actually yeah. everything, 99% of the music was amazing, except for that, the last song, the very, very yeah, last it's a bit, song. It's a bit yeah. suspect, I thought yeah. that was pretty awesome. The music. The music. Bear yeah. McCleary's pretty good. good. I mean, he's pretty well known for composing. I think he started out early with The Walking Dead and really kind of different shows. Even, and now he's also scoring. Bear, yeah, McCleary. Bear McCreary. Yeah. Has he done anything? Apart yeah, he's, from he's scored the God of War video games. Uh, uh, he's done a lot of good work with uh, films recently. Yeah, and then there's three, so eight episodes in the season, three directors across the eight. So J.A. Bayona did the first two, and he is, so previously he directed, or is most well known for directing Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, so the, the second Jurassic World movie. 
and Charlotte Brandstrom directed another two. So she's done, she's got a pretty prolific career in terms of TV directing, but most recently she did The Witcher and Jupiter's Legacy, both on oh, Netflix. That's, that's, that's. The other director who did four episodes, including the finale, was Wayne Chi Yip, yep. uh, who we were just discussing before, but he's yeah. a British uh, film director, most known for Utopia, Doctor Who, and this show. Quickly talk about the viewership. So um, obviously this is the most viewed Amazon show, so they, they reported that. Yes. So you, you always have to take this viewership numbers with a grain of salt because it, is, it isn't publicly available information, so the company has to come out and actually say it. Right. Um, so Amazon came out and said they got 25 million viewers globally for the first 24 hours, and they released two episodes okay. uh, in the first 24 Interesting. hours. Interesting. Hmm. But anyway, uh, interesting thing is there's there's a lot of people that monitor these ratings in terms of streaming, and apparently in the first week it was the second highest viewed streaming show behind She-Hulk, which was interesting. In That's the, interesting. In the US. Could that just be because Disney Plus has much more of a like viewer base? No, it's because She-Hulk's bloody amazing. <laughs> you want to see the trailer? <laughs> MCU. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which I found interesting because She-Hulk was, I think it already had a couple of episodes by the time this came out. So, yeah. Yeah, wow. Anyway, but it's it's definitely the most successful Amazon streaming show, which was expected because they don't have huge properties. Well, they, yeah. they, they have been pushing it as well because, like, every box you get from Amazon since the last two months had, like, Rings of Power tape on it. Yeah. Uh, if you go to Amazon, like the main website, and you buy something, you literally got trailers streaming as you watch, check yeah, out of yeah. the thing. And so, obviously, they're, they're, they're pushing they're really it. Pushing. They definitely want to make sure that everyone knows about it. But also, Amazon is directly producing this, unlike yep. like The Boys, which is produced by separate, and then Amazon has bought, bought it. It's, yeah, yeah, correct. Put it on a streaming platform. Right? Has Amazon produced, directly produced anything else? Yeah, I think they've got Halo. Uh, Halo? Mm. Oh, is it good? Halo, I don't know, but I do want to talk about some other shows that have been produced. They've got that marvellous Mrs. Maisel, I think, which is Amazon. All right, we can jump into positives and negatives. So um, we don't have to really go through a story of the show. We'll probably do that in spoilers, but let's just go around the room. So we'll start with Bougie. What are your positives or negatives? What, whatever you want to start on. Let's go positives first yeah. for everyone. Positives yeah. first. Yeah. All right. uh, look, we touched on music. Yeah. The music is actually very good in a lot of parts. I think I wasn't able to pay attention to the music in so many areas, though, just because of, like, I was just so confused with a lot of stuff that was happening. But <laughs> the music, like, in general, when you look back on it, I, I do remember music being really good at parts. The I did like, and this is like, I guess, episodes one to three mo- ma- mainly, where they, like, have those, like, um, cinematic views of the locations with, like, the writing of where they actually are. And I thought that was really cool. It was nice to see sort of locations that you wanted to see um, that have come directly from the texts and... It's pretty much the acting was like some characters you could tell that the actors have done a decent job with what they're given. Yeah. Um, it's a shame that they weren't given more to work with. There was also some parts where the acting wasn't that good as well. Yeah. Yeah. It was like <laughs> one it was particular one, part. Yeah. There was one episode so where crying I scene? was. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk about this soon. But I was like, this guy's the only guy that can act. And then he starts crying. Yeah, I was I know. Like, my Jesus favorite character. Christ. Like, oh my God. He did not practice this part. So, um, yeah, look, those those three. I'm just going to stick with those. Yeah. Yeah. Piece Last of shit. So I'm, I'm probably going to be the dissenting opinion on this, on this podcast. Um, Initially, I was actually quite positive about this series. I didn't watch any trailers. I didn't watch any of the Comic-Con footage. But we're just doing positives, aren't we? 
Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's for now. I thought you were about to get to a negative. I was like, <laughs> about a negative. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just not straight blasting it. No. Um, no, I basically just thought I didn't really hype myself up for this because I knew it could go either way. I watched it and I was, uh, I was, I was thankful that there is another. I'm actually happy there's another uh, interpretation of Tolkien. There's more material out there. Like in Peter Jackson's own words, uh, when we wrapped up the Return of the King podcast last week, we're talking about how he wanted to take this. The, the the fantasy and the universe that Tolkien built and give it its own life, right? And I think this is a good this is a good example of this taking on a life of its own, where you see a different interpretation of it. The show did quite well in terms of getting the feel of being in Middle Earth. I felt like, yeah, we're back, you know, especially thanks to them filming in New Zealand. And the production value as well was was up there to kind of match the feel of when when you see some of these places that, you know, are described about, you know, Middle Earth, uh, Eregion, Numenor, you, you do kind of feel like, oh, okay, wow, they're actually going into these places. You see the camera going in there. That was done well. The execution of certain places was done well. And I did quite like the, there's many arcs of different character storylines in this series. There are some that are done really well. Like you kind of actually feel for the characters and you invest emotionally in them. So there, there, there were a select few that did an amazing job, and I'll, I'll call out the actors who actually who did this work. And uh, another positive, I think, is there's a lot of, I mean, despite what a lot of the fandom might think, there is a lot of attention to detail, small bits of attention to detail that I think the producers, directors, and creators earnestly tried to incorporate. So that wasn't lost. I mean, sure, the fans will pick up on certain details here and there, but yeah, there, there was a lot of detail put into it by the actors, by the Produces the set designers. It's not easy to world to build worlds, and I think I've said this on a lot of podcasts. I love good world world building when they establish like a place that we haven't seen before. So yeah, that's that's all done well. The music as well, Ben McCreary knocked it out of the park, and I think this will be a great entry point for people who are not familiar with the books, but I've only seen the movies. This series might be made for that group to be honest. Like, people who have not read the books have only watched the Peter Jackson films. Yeah, which is me, so yeah. I can... Yeah, and, and, and I'm kind of intrigued. Oh, they've heard whispers about the story behind the scenes and the film really, and I, I think this would be a, this would actually be suited for you if you watch it, right? That, that's probably my my positive on, on Rings of Power. I kind of agree with you there. I think there's only a certain group that will like this, which are people that have only watched the movies are kind of interested in backstories but have not bothered to find out anything else. Um, but I also think, well, I know a few that people like that and they have like, this show lost them within two episodes. So mm. I don't know. I don't know who this is for. But <laughs> the intention, I guess, was for everyone. But um, yeah, positives, as you guys have already mentioned, music is awesome. Set Sets are awesome. <laughs> I think the best part was, the excitement before it started was probably the best part of all of this. <laughs> I mean, the like the hype, yeah. yeah, the hype was great. I mean, everyone was pumped. You watch the trailer and you're like, "Oh my god, there's some awesome things that are going to happen." So I think those were, yeah, for me, those were the positives. And yeah, there, there were some, there were instances of good acting, um, and there's like, I guess certain actors will probably leapfrog off this and go on to other projects, which mm. would be great. And there were like. There were some action scenes which were awesome and there were some like particular episodes where you knew there was a lot of money spent and 
you could see it and it was, it was you know, really cool. The CGI and the graphics are really good as well. So it's pretty happy with that. Yeah, I agree. I think production values are pretty good. For a TV show, this is probably one of the best. I mean, they marketed it as the most expensive TV show ever made. So I think on that front, they did a good job. There was some attention to detail. Like they did do practical effects for the orcs, which was nice. Oh, yes, I did like that. Which is yeah, in stark contrast to the Hobbit movies. So they look, it looks good. This, this show looks really good. Um, music was good. From a technical side of things, everything was really good. So I'm actually one of those people that's watched the movies and not looked too much into the law and came into the show. So I was watching it, but it wasn't really like the stuff was happening, but not enough was happening in the show. So I'm kind of jumping into the negatives here. But I think like they've got eight episodes and each episode's about an hour long. So decent size episodes. When you look at the whole season as a whole, not that much happens. Um, and I can see why people would just drop off because just, especially in the first half of the season, there's really not that much that happens. Um, they're introducing characters and they're not necessarily like the most charismatic characters either. Like they're, they're there. Um, so there's not much of a hook for people that are coming in uh, without much of a background. So I watch this obviously for this podcast and because I need to, but if I didn't have to watch it, I wouldn't have watched it. Maybe I would have watched it over a year or something. I would have, when I was bored or something, I would have put on an episode, but I wouldn't have rushed to watch the whole season all at once. So that's my thoughts from a neutral perspective. I'm keen to hear your your thoughts now. Let's 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 get into the let's get into the filter free. We're st- are we still spoiler free right now? Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. The biggest thing for me, I think, spoiler free is just the writing. There's just the writing. I feel just missed the mark on so many. Uh, in so many ways, so many elements, a lot of episodes, some of the stuff just outright didn't make sense. A lot of the plots, I feel, progressed for the sake of progressing. A lot of stuff happens by chance, and that leads to really important things later on. And we're talking like character reveals, the way characters link up with each other, the introduction of new characters. We knew that they were going to come up with new characters that Token hadn't wrote about. We knew there'd be a bit of retconning. But when you look back on it, you're like, none of those characters really had that much of an impact. It, I was talking to, I don't know who I was talking to this with, but like you're following certain storylines and you, it's very easy to get lost into how it started, where they're actually going, why they're actually going. And yeah, it just it, it's really easy to get lost. Yeah. I think the important thing is why, because I was just questioning like, why is this even important? Why are we yeah. watching this? Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. 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 And for, for a show that's marketed as the most expensive show of all time, like it's just, for me, it's just lazy. I think they could have done better with drafting up storylines that one made sense. They didn't need to touch on so many points of interest. I feel like they brought in certain characters and certain species as a big throwback because they're like, oh, people will love this, you know, that they love uh, these characters from the original movies. And that really, that really did not sit well with me. One thing I do want to mention is the writers themselves. So there were two writers listed for the whole series, season one. They are Patrick McKay and John D. Payne. I couldn't find much about what they've actually done other than their writing credits for Flash Gordon, Star Trek Beyond, and that was it. As far as big things that I actually I've, I might have heard of. Flash Gordon? That was a while back. Yeah, when was that? I don't even know. I think it's yeah. that's <laughs> a TV show. It's from the 80s, late 80s. It's yeah. something weird. But anyways, what I'm trying to get at is that these guys have very thin credentials for a fantasy world of this level, and it shows. Like, you look at the writing for some of these episodes, and it plays out. Like 
movies or like shows like Star Trek Beyond, right? You're talking episodes that are like 20, 30 minutes long, have a very short plot point. Things are mostly resolved by the end of each episode. There's an overarching theme, but, you know, that sort of plays on. You can sort of tell that's like yeah. how this is written. There's also a writing consultant for season one. That's Glenise Mullins. So she was also on Star Trek Discovery as a writer and Terminator Genesis with writing credits. Again, you can kind of tell, right? Yeah. Like when <laughs> you look at You're this, saying it's like written too casually? Not in- written too casually. I think that they didn't write it in the way that this show should have been written, which is there is one story for season one. And it's broken up into eight parts. This feels like episode one, this is what happens. Moving on, episode two, this is what happens. It's like they broke up each part separately and they're like, by the end, yeah. they realized by episode eight, they were like, oh, yeah, cool. This is where it's this at now. Yeah. That's how I felt when I was watching it. Because if I rewatch it now, I'm, I'm going to be able to see where there's breaks in writing, where things don't make sense, where they've quickly wrapped up lines to move on to the next plot point. So, yeah, for me, writing just number one. Yeah. Biggest negative. It's interesting that you say they're, they're probably experienced in writing shorter episodes yeah. that are self-contained. Yeah. And now this is like an overarching one-hour episode, yeah. eight-episode season yeah. show. There's so, no way you can have – like you shouldn't have self-containing episodes. You shouldn't. Yeah. Something yeah. this ambitious slash – Requires so much planning and – Yeah. And, and But also like – Well, I mean, yeah, there's a point we'll get to later, but like if you're working in a Tolkien world, the only – Self-containing stories are the are big stories. Yeah. Which these guys have not even touched upon. Like, they haven't even gotten to. So, like, yeah. to even try and just sum it up in one episode doesn't make sense. Yeah. If you're going to do it, it would have to be a season. So, then the question is how long are you going to run the season? How are you going to conduct these storylines? So, yeah. I yeah, agree. exactly. Yeah. yeah. And it also speaks as to why they compress the timeline. Without spoilers, they compress basically, I would say, 2,000 years worth into, like, Seven, one seven days, <laughs> seven days. Oh, yeah. Yeah, whatever it is. It's yeah. not even that. This is the worst part. Is not even like condensed. It's like let's condense some stuff and then let's just pick random stuff that yeah. should not exist now, should not be referenced now, shouldn't ever be touched upon. Let's just put it in here. Yeah, yeah. I agree with your with your writing point. I think I sense like desperation. Yeah, I felt like because. Maybe I don't know. I don't know what the full story is regarding having rights to stuff. But mm. I would presume that what they wanted to do, or what they should have done, was they have material, they have concepts. They, you know, where you're gonna. Well, they don't. They need to choose a starting point. They need to choose an end point. Yep. And then for the whole show, and then they need to choose what the start and end points for each season are going to be. Yeah. And write from there, and just stick. You already have the appendices. And, you know, the Silmarillion and all these things that can give you at least guidance and just stick to those because there's big gaps to fill in, in yep. anyway, right? Yep. There's no reason, I think, that you need to make things up because you need to make things up anyway. You need to be creative and need to be very persuasive to the, you exactly, know, to the yep. viewers that this is why this event that Tolkien has described at this particular time ends up moving to this event and then this happens. Like you need to connect the dots. That's really hard to do. But to make it even more ridiculous and say that I'm just going to make it, let's change everything and let's try and get to this weird end point by the end of this season. I just felt like, what was even the point? Like what was the point of, you're not even using the material. Like if you're saying you're a prequel or you're going to exist in the universe and you have a such a profound writer like Tolkien, who has all this work there? Mm. What do you like? This is like I felt like this was fan fiction. Yeah. I felt like people were just like, yeah, alternate universe, sure. 
man, Marvel Cinematic Universe, and you can have alternate comics and all shit that happens, right? But if you're talking about this Tolkien universe, just stick to the guiding points that he has there and fill yeah. in the rest. Yep. And my main issue was that I think they just went rogue. They went rogue when they started. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how much of that was looked over or whether they were just surrounded by yes men or maybe this concept sounded great at the start and then it went to shit. I don't know. Yeah. I'll touch on something a bit later, but yeah. I'm keen to hear your th- thoughts on Well, I, I want to make sure that I separate my criticism of the show from the general kind of commentary that's going on about like, well, yeah, the general themes of people's expectations not being met. Mm. I, I'm going to maybe give it some fair ground. I'm not going to compare it to the Peter Jackson films as much as I can, despite yeah. the fact that the show, total runtime of season one is approximately equal to the total runtime of all the extended edition films, like 10 hours or so mm. altogether. Oh, yeah. I think, yeah, it was about 12 hours for all the extended. So it's almost. It's almost. But but, but I think there's different. There's like, obviously, that took place over three years. This took place over, you know, maybe two years of concentrated filming and principal photography and all that kind of stuff. I'm going to maybe try and isolate each motivation of this series. And also, they had restricted material. They couldn't work on everything they wanted to. Yeah. I would love to have seen what, what they could have done if they didn't have any restriction, right? Because it feels like the biggest issues that everyone's having and that I have as well is with the story, is with the motivations of the plot line. Like like, like Sravan said, it, some of the plot lines are kind of confusing. You don't understand what motivates these characters to do what they do. And that can be quite a jarring experience for book fans, film fans, or people who are casually watching it. It will alienate them if they don't understand the motivation or the character's motivation, right? Like a simple example is, all right, Bilbo in The Hobbit. He gets bored at home. He doesn't know what to do. He's got this yearning for adventure. So there's an out, there's an opening for him to go. He goes on this adventure and then there's all other events that happen afterwards. Whereas in this one, for every character, like if you want to follow the Halffoot's arc, story arc, or you want to follow the story arc of Elendil, Isildur, or that of Galadriel, each character's motivations are obviously separate. And some of them are like, and then there's also Elrond and Durin's arc. Some of these motivations are strongly bonded together, like with, with mutual friendship or kind of adoration or relationships that move forward. Other ones are not built as strongly. And I think what I would have liked to have seen is maybe less like sporadic, spread out story arcs. So maybe one, two, or three at most storylines that people could actually just concentrate on and focus on yeah. and be invested in emotionally or uh, I, the the ambition of the of the team behind the show was great maybe a little bit more than what they should have focused on and i think if there's anything that can they can learn from is maybe just identify filter out all the toxicity of the fan base right there's yeah. a lot of there's a lot of negative feedback that is not deserved I, and I, it's I not it's from a place of like actual criticism yeah uh, yeah. The, yeah there's a lot of childish stuff like yeah. oh you know the directors are trash and the actors are trash dude the actors and directors are hardcore fans of talking like if you just watch an interview with any of them they're obviously passionate they want to do a good job i don't think the i don't think like i don't i didn't find any crazy acting issues oh yeah no i, yeah. I think anyone like especially us who have actually criticized the show from a standpoint of well you know of, of proper judgment won't sink to that level of just you know yelling at the actors or, or or, or directors, I, I think everyone's trying to do a good job. That's the that's the core of it. Everyone's trying to do a good job, but they're falling. They're making silly mistakes. That's the problem. I, th- there were some points where there were certain camera shots, right? I'm like, that's that's a 
silly mistake. Even me as an audience member, I wouldn't have chosen that shot to show this particular emotion or an action. There's, yeah. there's one with, yeah, there's one, I think that's the one you're talking about, the dude crying. <laughs> like, we'll get to that. That, yeah. that could have been salvaged simply by doing a slightly separate camera shot. And I'm just like- Well, you didn't like the zoom up straight to the face? <laughs> no, no, it wasn't that. It was the fact that he wasn't even the subject of the shot. There were like yeah, some things happening in the background and he was just looking at the distance. Like, imagine, Dude, he was on fucking hardcore drugs. So he was tripping. <laughs> he dropped acid or something. Wow. I'd be surprised if that shot was it improvised. He was just crying. <laughs> yeah. He couldn't believe where he was. <laughs> couldn't believe <laughs> what the writers were doing to his character. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that could, that could be a motivation. And they were like, this is brilliant. Let's use it. We've just done a review of Lord of the Rings, right? We're coming from that high of like cinematic masterpiece. And I think that's much more eye opening for us as a group. Well, after coming in down from that, watching this, yeah, it, it's, it's going to be a definite change in, in our expectations and what we see. So yeah, look, there, there's, I think there's definitely lessons that can be learned, lessons to be learned. Um, but also at the same time, I think a lot of criticism is maybe not, not deserved. Yeah. From the team. There, 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 there are good things that they've done. There's also a lot of things they need to fix. Yeah, yeah. Which, so I don't. Um, haven't been on the internet reading all these reviews or whatever. Which criticism that's common on the internet, or what do you think is undeserved, and what do you, what, what is the undeserved criticism? So there's a lot of criticism coming from people around the cast, as in the diversity in the cast. So they're like, Tolkien didn't want, well, he didn't write it with people of color in the cast. Sure. So they're like, no, that's not representative of what Tolkien wanted. So they don't like it just because of that. Right. So that that was even before a show released. That was like this was when the casting yeah. happened. Yeah, like yeah when the casting yeah. happened. And, I, and I think there was a lot of and- there was a lot of fear that it's, it, it might become like a Netflix production. Like if everything will be sacrificed for the sake of uh, yeah. you know wokeness. Yeah, I, I don't think any of that happened. Yeah, I don't see. I I, I actually I, I I loved uh, Arondia. I loved Disa. The characters were really well done. Yeah, um, I, don't, I don't. I can't really see an issue where it's like they've casted someone just because they're of different ethnicity and it's actually causing an issue because I would presume that in the writing, I mean, I've only read Lord of the Rings and that was when I was little and hardly took it in. But um, I presume that, like, there isn't any specific reference to, like, skin color or what people look like. I think it's more character-based. It's character to be based. fair, the half are described as darker in color. Yeah, like brown, upwards, brown yeah. in skin and kind of slightly more tanned and that kind of more stuff. Tanned, so. yeah. More tanned, yeah, because they spend more time sure. in the sun, yeah. Yeah, more time. Oh, yeah. So it kind of makes sense. Again, like you're right. Like all this stuff about people complaining before the show even released, yeah, talking about issues of, yeah. of of wokeness and bigotry and stuff. That's definitely not on because, like you said, those characters did a great job. I actually thought they were part of the best parts yeah. of the show. Were those? Characters. And I wasn't expecting that. I was going to yeah. be like, oh, okay, I'm just going to look at it equally. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um. And here's the thing. I'm although giving giving an elf a fade. <laughs> Oh yeah, well, I'll, we'll we'll get to the. Arondia to the, has a fade. Yeah, yeah. But actually, all we'll get to the all the elves. That like, here's something. I, Bro, I, he's going to the barber the, every day. The actual <laughs> physical appearance problem I had was the elves didn't have, or all of them didn't have the same long haired representation that I thought they would have. A lot of them had oh, like right. you know short buzz cuts or like you know nicely like Keller Brimble. He's in the show, and I'm like, oh, I didn't think he'd look like this, but he looks just like a normal dude. You know, Elrond's oh, got yeah. the. Well, you reckon yeah. that's yeah, yeah. They all kind of pissed off. <clears me, throat> Tolkien write that all elves, do they just have long hair? Is that a thing? So here's the thing. He never describes every elf. He only describes key elves. And yeah. every key elf he describes does have long hair. Now, if you just From take which- it realistically, right, these are beings that live for forever, mm-hmm. right? Realistically, you're not going to go get a haircut every couple of months when you're living that <laughs> yeah. Just realistically, right? You're not. 
Hey, bro, Aaron Deer was going every six hours to get his fade done. That was yeah, insane. sharp. The other thing, <laughs> I wanna, I'll, I'll talk about this as well. Silver Elves, yeah. Um, and I got more point about the executive producers. But at this point, the, I was t- talking to Creedy about this this morning. I saw a video on the concept art that they had for this show. Basically, like artists come in and draft out scenes, the characters, everything. Concept art is beautiful. Yeah. Absolutely beautiful. Do you know who did it? All the elves. Um, no, I'm actually not sure who was it, did it. Was it, was it, was it John Howe and Alan Lee? It wasn't from the original. I think one of them may have been involved. Oh, really? Because the art is very similar to Lord of the Rings. What I want to yeah. get at is that all the elves have long hair. All of them in this concept art. The uh, the scenery is gorgeous. I won't go into that too much. But what I after doing some research, I was looking at how some of the production cast were talking about how in Lord of the Rings, maintaining wigs and hair to that length is so difficult for such a long period of time. Oh yes, right. It took yeah, yeah. It, it takes a lot of effort. So to me, the decision to have elves with it's short cost. hair is laziness. It's cost. Yeah. It's like they couldn't be bothered in doing that, despite the amount of money they've got. Right. And so when they talk about how they didn't want to just copy Peter Jackson's Middle Earth, they wanted to do their own thing, I don't think that's consistent with what they're actually doing because they've copied designs for the Nazgul's, the Fell Beasts. They've copied the design for the Balrog. Yep. It's pretty much like exactly <clears throat> the same as how Peter Jackson Oh, yeah. It. There's a lot so, of visual references to Peter Jackson's universe. 100%. So if you're going to say that we don't want to do Peter Jackson's Middle Earth, we want to do our own thing, you can't cut and copy what you're going to take. You know, you have to like you know what I feel that follow is? it on strong. I, I strongly feel I'm 99% sure this was direction from executive production or executive producers. Even Jeff Bezos may be coming down and saying, no one should even mention Peter Jackson's trilogy. This should be our own. We, we need our own stamp on this series. I don't want anyone saying Peter Jackson. And you can see this every time the actors or directors appear on interviews that are like obviously have been kind of vetted. No one mentions Peter Jackson's films in verbatim, but uh, Note of the Rings, the, uh, he, he has a way of saying, you know, when I like all the actors obviously are very passionate about Peter Jackson's films. They talk about it by just saying, when I saw Boromir's depiction or when I saw Isildur's depiction, they're referencing the films. Yeah. But you can tell they were kind of guided not to mention Peter Jackson, not to mention the, the trilogy of the films. And it's kind of like, I feel like this must be coming down from executive production. Or yeah, I top, think so. Down. I think they, what they think is that this is going to be, they want to create their own legacy, but yep. I highly doubt that's going to happen. Well, there's, there's rumors of a of a Aragorn prequel show coming out or being in, in the works. It, what with Amazon? Yeah. Really? Because because this is the reason why Netflix didn't Fucking get kill me. No, yeah, no, I know. Yeah, this is the, this is the reason why Netflix didn't get their their pitch because Netflix wanted to pitch a episodic series based on character like an Aragorn prequel show, a Gandalf prequel show, Gladiol prequel show. Yeah. Like like, but now Disney Prime has the rights to the appendices. They they do, but the but the reason why the Tolkien estate shut that down completely was because they absolutely did not want that. So well, I wonder. The thing if this is, is though, go but ahead. they sold the appendices rights, so Amazon can do whatever they want with the appendices. Uh, so I don't know what yeah, the okay. What is the actual? So yeah, I was trying to figure out. Even Nerd of the Rings doesn't know, but like, yep. what has anyone? I guess it's probably. Uh, what are they? You probably can't actually talk about the clause unless you're probably involved in. It, but like, yep. they have rights to tell stories about appendices, but they don't have the rights to the full appendices right no no so they have rights to the appendices but the appendices only list out at a high level yeah what happens when it mentions names it mentions certain events yeah. it doesn't actually mention it doesn't mention anatar for example his name actually doesn't come up so they can't use it yeah that's a problem uh, where does but anatar basically come up? i saw Marillion. okay technically 
does come up in, in the appendices, but the name is not ever mentioned. Yeah. If that makes sense. It's like his fair form. That's it. It's like it's referenced. Not even there. his fair form. It's just he's just, he's just known as Sauron. I think they mentioned Myron at some point. Myron? But it's just, okay. it's just Sauron. Myron's his name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In first age, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now, your point about, and yeah, we can talk about like what they have rights to and what they don't, but I want to briefly touch on the executive producer stuff because I've got some stats. Season one for this has 12 executive producers and f- two normal producers listed, right? Now, for reference, House of the Dragon on HBO has seven executive producers for the first two seasons, right? So it's roughly three and a half per season. That's HBO. Mandalorian, Disney show, five executive producers for all the seasons so far. Yeah. Stranger Things on Netflix, 10 executive producers for the four seasons so far. Mm-hmm. WandaVision, another very expensive show, Disney, five executive producers. Wheel of Time Prime, eight executive producers for the first season. And Halo, another Prime show, 12 executive producers. So what I'm trying to get at is that Prime, I don't know what it is, but they have a lot of executive producers on their shows Yeah, for one season. I think all the directors are listed as executive producers as well. Yeah, they are. Right. You think so it's maybe just trying to, me, trying to like give that momentum? No, I just think it's too many people. momentum. I just think it's too much. Too many people. I think there's too many people going in saying- it needs to have this, right? Right, right, right And it's right. screen. It makes sense, right? You look at some of the the characters in this show, and you're like, you can just tell that some executive producers pumped in a bunch of money and said, "You want my money? I'll do it." But I want to see hobbits, right? right. You know right, what I mean? Right, right, right. right. Or, I see what you mean. Or, you know, you know, like, <laughs> I want to see them because oh, I love 100%. them in the original. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's but, only and the, there's interest. Like, interest. Yeah, and they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. the audience is going to love this. Let's chuck them in there. And so the director's like, okay, fine, let's put him. Yeah. That could yeah. be a massive challenge That's for the merch. directive team, actually. Like, what is the, it's merch, right? Why are it the is. hobbits in this? It merch? is. Is there any other reason as to why they're in this? Nah, they're, 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 is there any merchandise? I don't think there's any merchandise out of this, right? I'm sure there might be. Probably yeah. is Probably somewhere. Is. Yeah. But yeah, shows like, like House of the Dragon, it's, I'm comparing it to that a lot because it's very similar. The, the book Fire and Blood doesn't actually list out details. It lists out times and events. Hmm. And so they fill in the gaps and they do it really well. Seven executive producers for the first two seasons. It's spread out. You can tell there's less interference, less direction being pulled up from executive um, people, and more just being given to the creative artists, right? In terms of the, um, just quickly on what they have access to. Mm. So this is what, this is officially what they said. So while Tolkien Estate made demands that the series cannot change anything that is written about the age in which it takes place, the show has all creative freedom it wants. So about the age in which it takes place. Yeah. Okay, so second age, they can't check, they can't say this happened in the third age or something. Yeah, but they can mix around in the dates. I think so. Oh. Yeah. Which means they can say that all this happened in this age. Yeah. Okay. But no, they've already but they've already screwed that. They have. Yeah. They've already well, if if they've brought in first age stuff. Hold on. Okay, that's because that's technically in appendices, like a, a brief recap mm. of what happens. All right. Did we want to do any more non-spoilers? We can we can jump into spoilers. Oh, there is some. There are some direction faults. Yeah, yeah. I think there's like some of the action is weird. Like the way they've done it, it's weird. They have they have points of slow motion, but the way they've done slow motion, when slow motion is done right, it like speeds up and slows down at certain points. And there's some action scenes here where they just they make everything slow mo, which gets rid of the impact of certain things. I guess you use slow motion to to make evident precise movements or like clutch plays by, you know, by characters. But I found in this, they just sometimes made a full 10 seconds worth of action into slow-mo, which is actually just, and it got a bit weird. And then also there's like some choreography of some scenes, especially the main character, like 
Galadriel, some of her action scenes were choreographed terribly. I find that she, the actress probably could have smashed it, like done even more crazy stuff, but they made it seem like she wasn't trained, even though she was. And they're like some points, there's a certain scene where there's two horses chasing one horse, mm. and the people on it. And it's just the stupidest choreographed scene I've ever seen. Doesn't mm. makes no sense. I know the one you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like this is the one where she's like off the saddle on the saddle. Oh no, that, I mean that's one of them. No, this is the one where that person gets stopped by like a spear going oh, in between. Okay. The yeah, I'm just like, <laughs> like it's like oh, so one person chases so this person's chasing. And it looked like the person A's going- chasing point B yeah. right behind them, and then this other guy just comes from the other side. So what's the point of person <laughs> A? It was just like ah, oh, you can do better than this. Like this is. This is some like five year old sort of choreography, you know. Mm. And I thought for a show like this, surely they would have hired some really cool. And well, and then the other thing is, there's just to an extent, there's not enough, there's not enough substance slash action. Yeah, you know, we, Lord of the Rings was like people will go back and go to like Helm's Deep action scene or like this particular action scene or mm. crazy stuff. You can't really do that with this. There's not much action, and so. And when it's there, it's like there are some points where it's sure it's all right, but most of it's just bullshit. And then yeah. half of the action is a bit lame. It's also mostly because of the constraints of the the way they set it up. It's mostly in the dark as well. So oh, they they pulled a Lord of the Rings. They put a sorry Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah, last Game season. Of season last I know season. this whole. I feel like they got so much inspiration from season eight Game of Thrones. Oh yeah, because God, this is shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah the, there was a whole episode in the dark. What is as if people? D- uh, I don't oh, is know. this the one? Is this the one where they had the, the most battle? The uh, that episode. Yeah, six. I think it was. Yeah, yeah. Just, and it was clearly wasn't filmed. It wasn't filmed in the dark. It's it's filmed in daylight, but they bring the contrast and they bring it all down. Yep, yep, yep. It's like it makes it look make it look realistic. Yeah, just bring it up a bit. Yeah, that's it. Do they not test this? Like, (laughs) surely they test it. Someone was speaking about this. They don't test it on the TVs that we watch it on. They test it in their screens with like high def and like you know the studios and stuff. Gym rooms. Whereas you look at like people who make songs. You know, like traditionally, they'll pl- like produce whatever their song is. They'll take it to their car and they'll listen to it in the car yeah. to understand what it Where plays people like. Actually yeah. listen to people it. Yeah. actually listen to it. Yeah. This stuff, though, it's like, 100%. it's clear that they're not going to. I know hip hop artists movies. like J. Cole, if you watch his documentary, yeah. when he releases his music, he has to go and like he has to play it in the car and they yeah. always talk about what it sounds like with the subs on. Yeah, yeah. you have to do it. I don't. You have to test it. It's just basic. Wrong. Yeah. And it's like, you can't forgive it. The amount of money they pumped into this, I know. there's very little forgiveness, I think. And that particular that episode make. as well is the most expensive one. Exactly, yeah. What a waste, yeah. right? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, and there's. Um, I just wanted to mention that this whole season is kind of built on a couple of mysteries, like who's this person, mm. who's this person. Yep. And um, the reveals are just not that great, to be they're honest. Not. Like- <laughs> they're not. They spent too much. And we talked about this before. Basco was saying how this, this, this show caters towards people who might not have read the law, or do not understand. Yeah. If that were the case, I think they could have easily just gone with how it was in the text. Yeah. Because that w- that's mystery enough, right? But they've obviously kept it a mystery because they know there are people who have read the texts and they want to appeal to them. And so they want to keep that mystery going until the end. And yeah, there's just, there's too much of that will they, won't they kind of tension. Yeah. The, yeah. Is he, is she, that became isn't a primary he, isn't focus. she? The primary focus, I feel like one major primary focus of this show. Yeah. Was to fuck with the audience. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it they was, do it like 
in the final episode. They do it they all do the it, time. Yeah, in the final oh, episode, they do it like oh, multiple my, times. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And actually, <laughs> actually, what I, my personal opinion when they do that, that was like this. Yeah, in the final episode when they do it, I feel like the way in which they fucked with people. I personally think, and we'll reveal this, in, we'll talk about it in spoilers. Yeah, I think if they actually just went along with their original idea, <laughs> it probably would have been more interesting, yeah, and far more complex of a yeah. concept than yeah. what it actually, what ended, it up actually ended, yeah. ended up being. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's like the um. Yeah, what, what is it like? Subversion. What's the show that's like was famous for it? Was it Game, Game of Thrones? Th- Game of Thrones was yeah, yeah, exactly. Where subverting ex- expectations. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Where yeah. season eight spoilers for Game of Thrones, but the whole Night King getting done by Arya, which made absolutely no sense, was only for shock value and yeah. There's nothing else to that. Yeah, like, there was which the directors no admitted to. That's what they literally yeah. said. It was for shock. And value. I'm sure in a few years they'll probably admit to the same thing here. But like, it's like why? Just it wasn't right. even shocking though. It was just right. like a good story. <laughs> yeah, yes, I know. Yeah. That's the worst part about <laughs> this. All right then. So we'll jump into spoilers. So if you haven't seen Rings of Power and you want to watch it, go watch it. Come back to this point in the episode and listen to us. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Spoilers. So we can start with, um, so I've split it up into sort of four arcs. So there's the half foot, 
arc. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's Elrond and Durin. There's the Southlands. And then there's Galadriel and Numenor stuff. So we can do Halfwoods first. Half, Halfwood and the Stranger. Everyone's Let favorite. me just say, by the way, I think the best actor in this was Elrond. Yeah, I thought it was really good. Yeah, Robert, yeah. I am. Um, yeah. uh, Arameo? Arameo, yeah. 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 I, I haven't seen that guy before. He's dope. He's, dope, he's uh, young Ned Stark in Game of Thrones. Yeah, that's right. The yes. trivia on this is he's young Ned Stark. Um, Sorry, I spoiled it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fine. I was going to say. I anyway. knew it. I knew. Oh, so I have seen him. I was like, why seen, is yeah. his face familiar? Yeah. And uh, so whenever. He looks better in this than he does in that. He looked terrible in Game of Thrones. Yeah, he looked like a, like the way a they beta Neil Patrick Harris. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just like, yeah. Yeah. Well, the way they do this trivia in IMDb, they're always related to like something irrelevant. So uh, he was young Ned Stark in Game of Thrones, and then Sean Bean was in Lord of the Rings as Boromir. So they're like, yeah. it's all linked. It's all, oh, it's all linked. linked. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's f- yeah, but I thought he was very good. He was one of the standouts. Yeah. Mm. Apparently, when he was cast and he found out he was going to be playing young Elrond, he um he, he started going into the depths of the lore and stuff, and he found out that Elrond was the lore guy in in the universe like he was the one who was kind of teaching everyone what happened in about first age and you know the second age in 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 the lord of the rings so he actually um he decked out his place it's pretty he ironic had, that he's then doing the show then isn't it oh yeah like he, he took it to that point he, he decked out his place with uh, passages from lord of the rings and passages from the film really and he was just like doing all kinds of research so he put a lot of effort into it and i think he the best thing the most impressive thing is he got hugo weaving's smile down like he almost replicated Hugo Weaving's like facial. I don't know if they cast him for it or if he modeled himself after it. But yeah, he's done such a good job with this character. I'm really happy with the way he he uh, without even bringing in his his relationship with Durin uh, was played by uh, Owain Owain Arthur. Like their dynamic is really good, but just by himself. Yeah. Oh man, amazing! Knocked it out of the park. Since we're on it, anyway, maybe we'll start with Elrond and Durin because I thought this was actually. I actually found this interesting. Okay. The, the yeah, yeah. dynamic. There was actually like you actually felt for their, you know, friend. You felt like they were friends, and when Durin has to like go against his father's wishes towards the end of the season, it was good. I thought mm. this this was all pretty well done. And even it, even before that, when they when Durin's obviously like massively angry at Elrond when they first meet, you kind of don't understand what their beef is. Yeah, and they have that competition of breaking the rocks, and finally, like Elrond's like, "What? What? What happened? What's wrong?" And then Durin's just like. The way Durin's explaining about, you weren't there for 20 years of my life. I had a family. I got married. I had kids. And you missed all of that. And Elrond's just like, oh, shit. Like, you know, we've all had that moment where you haven't talked to a friend in a long time. And you scroll down your, you know, your chat and you're like, oh, crap. I haven't talked to this dude in like months. Five years. Five years or, or, <laughs> or six months. And you just like, yeah. time is, time passes and you just don't realize. That was an amazing commentary on how for the elves, because they live forever. Forever. Yeah, they lost- that- they lose uh, track of that time. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's a quote in Lord of the Rings where you know you you lose uh, the mirth of your golden years. You lose time in yourself. Yeah, and that's kind of the hubris of the elves, almost to the point where that's their their fate because they live forever. They don't understand the problems of mortals, and and they just lose time time in themselves. And this was highlighted. I love that part of the show where they kind of bring up that dynamic of an immortal being friends with a mortal dwarf. And he's so offended by that. Like Durin is so upset that you know you weren't there. And then El- Elrond actually, the real good thing is he 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 li- really tries to rekindle that relationship and apologize and and say you know what I'm going to make it up to you. And and Durin like that's why Durin is probably my favorite character because he just kind of bounces back in that playful nature and 
uh, tells his wife, Disaito, uh, everyone's not staying for dinner. You know, don't worry about it. He's, he's leaving. <laughs> he's, he's kind of brash. But towards the end, he's kind of inviting him to, you know, to stay. Yeah. So, yeah. And Elrond also has that dilemma where he, he has to not be truthful to Durin for a little portion to get the mithril. And then, so that, that, that was good. Cause then. Oh, yeah. yeah where well, he has yeah. to keep an oath, but yeah. also not tell the secret of why. Yeah, without compromising his friendship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's also for the survival of his race. So he's kind of like really in this little bit of a dilemma on what he can do. Um, but Which then- is all just made up? Mm. The Mithril stuff is made up. Mithril stuff is made up. The the actual, if I recall correctly, from I mean, the- Frodo gets a Mithril lower? coat. Yeah, the, the Mithril vest, the whole yeah. Mithril vest. Yeah. Mithril, so yeah. then- So they do end up mining- oh, The dwarves do end up mining Mithril to the point where it, it gets- a bit much, like in terms of the the depth they go to, but it, just in terms of the reason why the elves had to do it. From my recollection, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, it was like they it wasn't so much that they were dying, but it was that they wanted to protect the lands and the beauty of of the of the nature, and they didn't want that to fade. Yeah, it's just one of the things that Tolkien mentioned in the books was that over the many 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 centuries, the elves started to notice that the not just the land, but like the blessings of the Valar were like diminishing. Over time, right. which is what, you know, in Lord of the Rings, we get that with Elrond. It's like the time of the elves is over. It's like a continuation of this concept that the blessing of the Valar is like diminishing over time. Well, you, and you see it in Rivendell in, in Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings where it's like constantly fall, the leaves are falling, and you kind of get this feeling like it's passing. Yeah, that age is passing. In, in yeah. this case, it's a but bit But Rivendell more, yeah. is alive because of this, right? Like Rivendell stays in its glory. Isn't, that's the whole point. Rivendell, Lothlorien, they stay in their glory because of the rings, yeah. because yeah. of the Elven Rings of Power. Yeah. They're, they're made to, to preserve and to um, sustain. That's the reason that they had them. Yeah. Not not just their own life, but also the that, that oh, essence of the, the Valor, like yeah. the beauty like of the, the exact the, the realm. Yeah. realm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Their realms, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, look, that whole Mithril thing doesn't make, like, that's obviously not there in the books. What, and I agree with you, like the Elrond Durin, that was probably arguably one of the best parts of the show, but- Again, they also the, the go missing for a, a bit. Like, there's multiple episodes where you don't even see them. It's yeah. just like, yeah, yeah exactly. It's only, yeah. it's only comparatively good. Exactly. Yeah, that's, that's right. what I want to get at. Everything else is shit. Relative. That's what I yeah. want to get at. Like, yeah. it, it's good, but at the same time, like, I actually, like, when I was thinking back on this, I'm like, it's only good because the rest of it is all shit. Like, <laughs> but also, nothing, like, let's be honest, nothing actually happens. Like, yeah, this yeah. is important, but it takes so long to get to the crux of the discovery of Mithril and then. And the writing, the writing is shit again. Like the reasons why Elrond goes is kept from the viewers, mm. right? And then you find out later, oh, they they're looking for this ore that they suspect. Again, Mithril was found in Numenor. It was it was there in uh, in the Undying Lands. I forgot the name already. In in Valinor, yeah. like they had it there. It's not like this thing was like a secret it's, to the whole yeah, Middle okay. Earth. Right, Although it wasn't, sense. it wasn't localized just to uh, like the, the yeah the Hithaglia ranges or the Misty Mountains. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So. So from a like person who doesn't know that, I thought this was the only place you can get it. Like that's yeah. what that's what it looks like. Exactly. In the show. Yeah. That's what they're trying to get you. Yeah. But it's it's not like it's found in, in other places. But they they make it such a big a big point of contention. And then at the start again, like this is what's confusing. At the very start, Keller Brimble wants to make a forge, right? And then it's never really touched on again. I feel like the timelines across all these stories flow at different rates. Like there was one episode where they the dwarves agree to help the elves. And then the next time you see him, the, the forge is like halfway done. Like there's a scene oh, yeah, of like them. Towers before, are being constructed. Towers yeah. are constructed. And then you go back to the Halfwoods and it's been like a day. Yeah. And like their stories progress like nothing. So 
timeline progression for these stories just overarching. I felt it was really weird. Mm, yeah. But the writing for this story in particular, I just felt just fell. It just didn't hit the mark. Like yeah. it doesn't really feel convincing until you obviously see that Mithril does cure the thing. Again, the whole thing about the Silmaril being, you know, uh, pushed through the mountain with the lightning strike and the Balrog fighting an elf. There's a rumor that that elf was going to be Celeborn. Oh, I was hoping it would be Glorfindel. Yeah, I think that's because even, even, even that, that, he's that, supposed to die from a Balrog. Or that was in the back. That was next. That wasn't right that's on like, the second age in Gondolin when he did that, right? Yeah. So that little, yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah. that little animation of this uh, brave elf fighting a Balrog and the Balrog twining itself around a tree and lightning hitting it, I felt like they're creating mythology. The, the, the team, Amazon Prime team, are kind of co-opting or adapting pre-established mythology in the second and uh, second age, right? That happened early in the second age and some in the first age. And are kind of writing it into the show to create a narrative of there is something rare that's only located here and that then becomes this kind of battle of like this dramatic push and pull. Uh, it's obviously a reference to a lot of things. I think the biggest clearest reference is that we had Glorfindel's battle with the Balrog to save Tuo, I believe. Uh, Can't in, remember. That's, that's, that's first age, though. First age, that's yeah, first, yeah, first age battle um, stuff. But, anyways, what I'm trying to get at is that you just don't. I'm like the viewers aren't that convinced, right, with this threat that's facing the elves, and then like the way they go about it's just very convoluted yeah. how they go about this this story and the whole. Again, you're talking about how Aron has to, he makes a vow not to reveal the secret, but it's kind of given. Like Gilgalad's asking him, it's like, do they have Mithril? And he's like, I made a vow. But, but he's implying yes. it. He's implying that's yes, yeah. right? He, yeah. he would have said no if they don't have Mithril. So it's but like- I don't understand it. So if it's a secret, then why did he go there? Like, well, that doesn't it. make sense. Know. Does that know. make any sense? Because if this discovery made by, what's his name? Thorin? Thorin? Durin. 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 Durin the fourth or whatever. If, Durin. If that, it's a secret discovery that's made. How did the, how did the rumors get to the elves? Yeah. And if that is true, then the rumors are out there. Then you can- he could just say, "Look, the rumors are out there." What's like? It's just weird that this is such a tightly kept secret, but it's actually not because it's it's gotten out there. So, but the, the 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 good thing I think about it is that this show is a little bit self a little bit self aware in that there's a line that Elrond says where it's like Gilgalad's asking him, "Can you recount the story of the roots of Ithaglia? And Elrond's like, "Oh, you know that's just hearsay and it's not really true. It could just be a myth." Like he's kind of referencing it. it's just some random story that someone that it's kind of traveled throughout the ages. And and you, you kind of see that here and there when the show knows it's doing something that is not part of the law or is not correct, a character will step in and will kind of make a hint at it. And it's again towards the finale where we know there's about 300 years or even 2,000 years worth of time when technically Anata comes to the Smithfords of the Gwaithamirdine in Eregion. By the time he arrives he and by the time the rings are created, it's like a couple of hundred years past, like 300 years. And then and there's a line that uh, Elrond has when he's passing. He's like, we're trying to condense 300 years worth of knowledge into just a couple of days. Like, he's when he's walking past, he says that to yeah, the yeah, final episode. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it's like a reference to the show. It's like, they know they're compressing time. So, yeah, it's a little bit it's a little bit software. I feel like they, uh, hopefully, they understand that's not a good thing that they have to do that. But, you know, they're forced to do it. Just for my points, I, I actually quite enjoyed the depictions of Khazad-dum. The going back into it uh, in the second age and looking at it, the fact that there's a flowing waterfall and and the little bits of detail, I I love that the way they showed Elven sight through Elrond's eyes. That yes. was that was I liked I liked the little uh, interpretations that they they did in that in in that um, trying things for the first time and referencing 
the films, obviously. There are some good elements. Disa, I, I said before, I actually, I, I really like her character. It's, it's really refreshing to see for the first time in the Tolkien legendatum, like a married couple, you know, actually talk out and start developing their dynamic to the main plot. And it's not just they're arguing. This is actually supporting and trying to keep Durin's oath and still manage like expectations. And, you know, how's Elrond? And sometimes it just tells Elrond, look, he's actually really close to you. you don't, you don't know how much he missed you during that period. It's really refreshing to see like a nice just married couple going at it, you know, and having their own little moments as well, which is it's it's, it's nice and fun. It's good. Um, that, there was that, one that scene when Deesa's speaking with Elrond and she's trying to cover up where Durin is. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. and then Elrond like he figures, kind of figures it figures it out. Yeah, 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 yeah he figures out, and yeah. I, I, like I understand that she she made an oath, so she has to keep it. But when Elrond's brought into the fold, she's immediately like, "Okay, I'm sorry, yeah. <laughs> I had to lie. I had to lie." Also interesting that they. They covered up the dwarf children's faces, I mm. guess, because they couldn't be bothered trying to figure out what they would look like. Yeah. yeah. Oh, like, would, would yeah, dwarf those- kids have beards? Or <laughs> yeah. Because they're wearing like those massive helmets and running around, right? Yeah. 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 yeah I don't know. I, I feel like, I feel like they, they gave Durin the third too much almost foresight about, about the mines, about what was lurking down below. It's almost like, like even after Durin the Fourth finds like a massive reserve of mithril that's not that deep. Durin the Third's like, no, we're not going to do it. It's almost like he knows what's what's down there. What was the main reason again? He didn't want to do it. Well, that's the thing. You never really know. He just doesn't want to go too deep. No. Well, so does he say that? Because what happens is there's a couple of rock slides, and he's like, oh, I don't want to risk my own men. That, that's what I'm trying to say. He's he's saying that he he doesn't want to risk any more any more casualties. Just for the just for the sake of prolonging the elves, that's what he's main. He, he, he doesn't yeah. want to do it for the elves. He doesn't want to risk his own men. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Okay, but it's like there's got to be other in, benefits. In this point in this point in the story, that greed aspect is still there, and it's amplified when they get the rings of power. When the when the dwarven kings get their rings, right? Uh, do you reckon we so, might see during well, during the fourth, fourth like well, slowly fourth we should grace? S- no, I mean, like I I just think that they made him too too cautious at this stage. Right? Not, not, not the and father. And the very fact. Not the, the father, the son. No, no, the father, the king. Yeah, yeah. King. So he's the third, right? And then the third. During yeah. the fourth is, or is, um, is Elrond's friend. Yeah. Oh, oh and so, Arthur's character. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So during the third, the king, yeah. I, I just think they, they made him too cautious. Yeah. Like it, yeah. it doesn't make sense. It doesn't really lead well into this. The fact that the Balrog is awake now that I didn't understand that at all. Yeah. Um, it was like a kung fu panda scene with like. Yeah. The feather falling down the prison and like yeah. the, the, the leaf falling down and yeah. it wakes up. I mean, yeah. look, it was is a that really- supposed to be the same Barog yeah. that yeah. Yeah. was fought. Oh, it's I mean, supposed to be the same Barog that was that Gandalf. The- oh, that fought no, no, no. in the tree. Yeah, I think it's implied. Yeah, so that well, okay. it's it's, it's so definitely it representing died. the same Barog that eventually Gandalf. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Faces off like the uh- but like what a waste because you can't. Surely they're not going to use that Balrog like or they're going against. Like they're going against the law, right? People know about there being something evil lurking in the depths of Khazad-dum, but like, yeah, there's it, no it, it no one else until Gandalf's fight. No one else is dealing with that. The Balrog doesn't rock up, right? It doesn't fuck around with anyone. Does I it? don't think I don't think anyone knows about the Balrog until the dwarves awaken it in Khazad-dum from mm. mining too deep. No yeah. one knows about it. Yeah. So yeah. this is way too like. But yeah, even, if it's awake, that, what's it doing? Just gonna sleep for a thousand years? <laughs> even the fall, the um, the fall of the the whole fall of Balin's conquests of Moria, right? Yeah, that obviously happens closer towards the events of the Third Age. But when is the when does the first 
purge of dwarves happened with the Balrog awakening and basically destroying. Isn't that also in like early third age? That's the third age. So that's yeah. when end of it would be towards the end because they don't know about it. I mean, people know that they don't. No, no. So what happens is all, all you all you really know is that the dwarves are given the rings by Anatha. Yeah, I'm not sure if he's actually Anatha at that point, but he's given the rings. They don't actually they don't bend to his will. But it does make them super greedy. Yeah. And they start mining, like, they, they want treasure. Like, they, they get super greedy. Balrog's awakened. I don't know the timeline of when this actually happens. End of the second age is the war, the last alliance, right? I think it's either before or just after that, which this Balrog awakens. And okay. the mines. I'm pretty sure it's after because I'm, I'm, I'm it's fairly after. sure that. It's after because you know, you know, the, that, uh, the war that on the Emily would have visited Khazad Doom. Yeah, yeah. In in its glory days, you reckon? Oh, you reckon he heard I'm, stories? I'm pretty of sure. It? No, I'm I'm pretty sure he would have visited. Okay. Well, because he talks. Well, at least in the movies, he kind of says like, "These are my he cousins." Hints at it. Yeah. He or, hints. He hints that he's yeah. been there before. Um, again, I, I can't remember this because I, I remember before the fellowship goes back into the mines of Moria, the last time, and, and before obviously Balin and uh, and Dwylin and them are and uh, what is it, Nori? Yeah. The 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 dwarves before they re-inhabit yeah, yeah. um that area of Khazad Dum. The whole place has been basically besieged and destroyed. I think it was around 300 or 400 years prior. Maybe. You might be right. Because yeah. Gimli does get amazed when he looks at Dwarodov for the first time. Like in, in the in the movie. Like yeah. He looks at it. Could so be. you could be right. Maybe he hasn't seen it. But there it. is a note that the dwarves of Moria do help in the uh, in, in Sauron's war against the elves. Yeah. 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 That, that's a massive, massive thing that they that they skip over. Yeah. Completely. No, no. But that doesn't happen yet. No, it, it's meant to have happened by so now. Therefore, the, rings, no, no, no. the rings have been created. It's meant to have happened by now. No, no, the, no. The, well, that's well. I mean, that's a whole different question no, we should talk about. But when, there's when, no reference. To no, the the, the, isn't created. it like the rings are created? The, the three elves' rings are created. Yeah. Sauron essentially then comes back up with his own army through the Gap of Rohan up towards Region, wipes out uh, Ostenithil, kills Celebrimbor. No, no, doesn't he captures Celebrimbor? Oh, captures Celebrimbor, but but his forces are basically watered off by the Numenorians who come in the last minute, and also Gilgalad, and also. Uh, Elrond. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay, fair enough. Yeah, okay. yeah, that, that happens. That definitely doesn't happen yet. But okay, the, sure. I don't. It'd be really cool to see if Rings of Power covers that in later seasons. That that the War of the Elves. Maybe, but we we don't know what Who what's happened what the with fuck the other they're ones. doing. There. Yeah, we don't. Like, know. Do you know? Do you, like I have no idea how how far they're going to go. I mean, with the story. But let's really- talk about the Rings. At, maybe we'll talk about that at the end. And like the, la- yeah, the last. Yeah, we'll talk episode. about the Rings at the end. Yeah, but yeah, like yeah. we'll finish off Elrond. Fucking, that doesn't make sense at the moment. Like yeah, that makes sense. So I don't know what the fuck they're going to do with the show. But but well, as you're saying, if. If the dwarves of Moria were in the last battle with Sauron, whatever, yeah, yeah, that's end of second age. So then this whole thing must have happened in third age. This whole um, Balrog oh. being awakening and in destroying, yeah. Yeah, 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 it's definitely yeah. third age. Yeah, so it's definitely the, third the, age. The Balrog but, thing, yeah, but also like doesn't doesn't Sauron isn't Sauron when he's as he's coming back right to now towards the end of the third age for the you know towards the time of like the Frodo and stuff. Lines, yeah. As he's isn't he attracting like. I don't know, I'm like, I haven't probably listened to this from Nerd of the Rings, but like, isn't he trying to attract creatures and like reawaken the Balrog and attract like the dragons to do his bidding and to kind of go to the Lonely Mountain? And isn't he trying to attract all these creatures so that he can, you know, slowly come back to power? Isn't that what Sauron is doing? I don't know. Is that not a thing? I'm, I'm not sure if he's and trying to attract them. It's just that the Balrogs once served Morgoth, so they're going to serve Sauron. Yeah, but there's only really one that makes a reference, and that's the one in Khazad Doom. Yeah, Smaug, I don't know. I think I think the dragons at this point they're no longer that loyal back when they were in the first age, where yeah. where the dragons were created. By I yeah. think that's a crazy story. I think Smaug's just greedy; he just wants his own kind of thing. 
I don't think that there's yeah. yeah. But you're right. There there are forces that do believe that they would be better off with Sauron. As yeah, as I mean Lord. Gandalf. Gandalf, his whole one of his main motivations to sort all this out is because he like, establishes a link between if there's this growing shadow or whatever, mm. and then you also allow the dragon to continue. Like if we can defeat the dragon, then it's it you're able to get rid of that threat that can or prevent Smaug from joining the shadow. Oh, place. right. I thought that yeah, was a thing. Maybe. I just I just thought the Hobbit no, was just okay. a story, like a kid's story, yeah. Yeah. I don't think Tolkien really read too much into Gandalf's ulterior motives there. Mm. It was just, you know, there's a wizard, there's a Hobbit. Sure. Nice story for kids, yeah. But, I mean, like, even that, like what you just said then, makes more sense than anything that's happened in But the I think show. this is post mm. him finding out about the whole necromancer and yeah. and then yeah, yeah. then wondering about Sauron and all this sort of stuff. And yeah. then he was, yeah, I don't know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's because, yeah, but- before, well, after the whole War of the Elves, he gets captured by the Numenorians, taken back to Numenor, and yeah. then he corrupts Numenorians, and then the whole thing gets sunk. By, wait, wait, you know, let's, let's talk about that when we no, get No, no, we'll talk about that when we get, yeah, when yeah, we get yeah. to Numenor. Like, none of this makes sense. Yeah, yeah. 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 The, the, the reason why I brought that up is because there's a point where his body's destroyed and only his spirit endures, and then you get well, that weird shit. his fair form is destroyed. His fair form, yeah. His technically. Fair form. His fair form is technically destroyed. Yeah, yeah. So when, he's, when he gets into the spirit form, yeah, that's when- When he lands he's, in- He's jumping Dog-Nor. between different areas and he goes yeah. to Dog Door and all yeah. 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 Like, But speaking speaking about Elrond's story at the start, the whole thing about how at the start he's close with Galadriel, hmm. right? Yeah. He's obviously a- um, uh, I forgot the name, but he, he works for Gilgalad. Kind of makes sense. And like the whole thing about how Galadriel- But they made, a, they made something up there, right? He's close to Galadriel because he said like- he was an orphan, which isn't part of law. He technically... No, he didn't say he was an orphan. He said that he was found in the sea, which is true, with his brother. Okay. But not by Galadriel. They were found by by the sons of Fionnur, Maglor and thingy. So that, that's different. What I want to get at is it's weird having Elrond and Galadriel as friends in the show because Galadriel is Elrond's mother-in-law. So Elrond <laughs> marries Galadriel's daughter. Right? Oh, okay. Yeah. So, with that knowledge now, do you think it's weird how close Elrond and Galadriel are in this show? Well, they're good friends. I don't think there's anything wrong with Yeah, I don't think there's... No, they're yeah. fucking. It's weird, <laughs> It's weird. It's, it's weird. like... But, but, because- we're, but we're mortal beings and we know what mother-in-law means, right? But like these, for these immortal beings, it's like they never age. They, they made Rings of Power for mortal beings. Us. Yeah. Like, like, you know true. what I mean? Like, we're, we're the ones watching this fucking show. And <laughs> but technically, now- technically Galadriel is like thousands and thousands of years older than... Elrond. We'll get to Gladwell in a second. I've got, <laughs> yeah, we'll get to her in a second. So it's just weird, yeah. right? It is like, it's, yeah. it, it's, it's weird having that. And it's also weird having, we'll talk about Gladwell in a second. Anyways. Yeah. So yeah, story of, of Elrond and Durin, it's, it's good. I think the writing is flawed, yeah. like the actual concept behind everything. And even in that, it's executed in, in a certain way, fine, whatever. I don't get where they're going with Durin and third and Durin the fourth's conflict that they had, like the, the arguments yeah, that they, they had. They kind of close it very abruptly, don't they? It's, yeah. 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 It's yeah. it's like, and there's another two years before season two comes out. Like, it's not going to be till 2024. So I'm wondering how many of these storylines people will actually remember. Yeah. I wasn't even remembering within the show because there'd be episodes where you don't see them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and exactly. I'd be like, oh, yeah, this happened with them. Yeah. I, like, the recaps were actually really useful in the show because I'm like, oh, yeah, that that happened. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah. a lot of, like, loose ends not being tied up. And that's pretty much it for their... Yeah. You know when they come to... One last thing. When they come to um, Celebrimbor and Elrond, they first come to the mountains. Mm. Yeah. 
Isn't that like really far? Yeah, that's the, that, that's true. Yeah, they fucking like oh also, yeah, let's travel just, to Kazadu. Yeah, they just yeah. walk there. They walk there. <laughs> they walk. Oh, you mean right. to the to the to the entry point of uh, from Eregion to Kazadu? Mm-hmm. They're just like let's go to Kazadu, and it's like the next scene. They're like walking to the doors. <laughs> Isn't it like, like days? There's right? No horses. <laughs> Isn't it like days? Right? Like it's it's, not, it's, it's more not, than it's more than that by horse, and it's like you're riding nonstop. Maybe it's like a couple of days. Yeah, fair right? enough. Fair enough. And they're yeah. walking there, fucking like strolling across, having a nice friendly chat. Yeah, their hair hasn't grown. Anything because they're taking haircuts for their pompadours <laughs> and fucking um and then and then Elrond's like yeah I'll take care of this you go back yes <laughs> and then Elrond has to walk all the way fucking back oh like, yeah 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 and you, you you said before that they have good attention to detail I refute that all right I'm gonna say no they don't okay. have good attention okay no, fair enough mm-hmm. well, because, oh, also did you know where Middle that location shouldn't there should also be Balerion like if this if Balerion's destroyed by this point well. Has it? Because Beleriand gets destroyed at the time when Numenor, no? No, no, that's the War of the Wrath. Beleriand is like is a whole section next to Middle-earth. Yeah, yeah. And that's like the when War of the Wrath. When does that go down? During War of the Wrath? During the War of the Wrath. Which is also when Numenor goes down. No, no, no. no, no, no. Numenor goes down oh, way later. Oh, it goes way after. Later, later. Yeah, yeah. The War of the Wrath is like a 40-year war. End of between age. End of first right. age, right? End of the, that, it signals the end of the first age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. By Never the way, mind. did you recognize- it's sick. War of the Wrath is sick. Oh, yeah. Elrond's father is- Melkor and- Beast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He Elendil. turns into a bloody star. Erendil. By yeah. the end, right? After, yeah. After he, after he beats no, what's the his dragon. Name? A. Erendil. 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 Oh, yeah. The depictions of how he fights- uh, And Caligon. And Caligon. The black. Yeah. Amazing. Like on Vingulot. Like he's flying on- Yeah. This, this is like flying over Thrawn's head right now. I'll, ex- I'll explain <laughs> all this after the podcast. It's also flying over my head as well. I'll explain after <laughs> the podcast. I know about it, but I don't know. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah. By the way, talking about the entry of Khazad-dum, did you recognize location-wise where that was? No, I was too busy thinking about how fucking hard I had to walk. <laughs> from too busy thinking about do you remember what the, the tunnel? fuck is going on. No, do you remember the tunnel? Driving to Milford Sound, there's a there's an entry point to the tunnel, mm-hmm. right? And you, if you if you drive off, there's a nice little um, mountain wedge where you can stop by and like there's... There's waterfall and there's like snow-capped mountains. And on the left-hand oh, side, yeah, yeah, there's, yeah, wa- yeah. there's water coming down the mountain yeah, stream. Yeah. Is yeah. that where? I'm 100% sure that's where they shot that scene. It okay. was the entry point that's to cool. Milford Sound. That's cool. It's a really, really cool place. Yeah, it's like a gorge. It's literally like a gorge. Yeah. It was about half yeah. a day's car ride for reference. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so it's fun. Yeah. At, least, yeah. at, least a couple, at least a couple of days by horse. <laughs> He's still on the It takes a long Fucking time to get. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, we'll move on to the next yeah. story. Maybe yeah, we should on. do Galadriel next. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Let's do Galadriel because that's yeah. the main plot point. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. All right. Go for it. Firstly, firstly um, Morphid Clark's portrayal Morphid. of Galadriel. Oh, yeah. What do you reckon? Yeah, I mean, I don't know like, what she has to work. I don't know, with, to be honest. Yeah, that's ha- the thing. I think she's a great actress. I, I think in the right in the right settings, I think she could be great. I yep. think this depiction though of Galadriel is not the one they should have gone with. That that very brash, brash has a kind of like I don't I don't want to say it, but like angsty teen kind of like vibe. Yeah, that that you know, youth, like that youthful inexperience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which doesn't doesn't make sense because her from when she's born to now. Is like way longer than from now to Lord of the Rings, so she should. just looking at that, yeah, her okay. growth from when she's born to now should be logically speaking more than what it is from now to Lord of the Rings, right? Or the, at least when we get to that that stage. And I know this is a different universe or whatever, yeah, but yeah, you just yeah, yeah. cannot see this Galadriel being anywhere near the same level of what, like like wisdom and, and knowledge and and people that look up to her in the next. I don't know how many. It's meant to be like two thousand years yep. from or so, but I don't think it's going to take that long. Anyways, so I think she did a, an, an okay job with what she was given, but I think what she was given was shit. This is a fucking moody teenager. Yeah, it's fucking it. Yeah, there's nothing there. Like, 
There's, but there's also, no character what, development. Why do they choose her for this? Like, is this part of law that she's constantly, like, her whole motivation is trying to find Sauron? Like, that's no. not that's not a thing. Her, her motivation is to establish a realm of her own in Middle-earth. Yeah, and she goes that's, that's with the sons the of reason- Fanor. She goes with them, right? Part of that third. Yeah, um, yeah. So, But she's actually not. She goes with them, but she's actually not motivated by. Well, she's they're, they're trying to find the Silmarils, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so after Morgoth kills uh, Fionnur's father, Finway, everyone like a bunch of stuff happens. Fionnur swears to go get them back. They basically do that. Galadriel doesn't technically follow Fionnur there. She follows her cousins up north through to Middle Earth, and the reason she comes, her intentions are to establish a realm of her own, right? Now, it's never specifically stated by Tolkien that, that she's a warrior, per se. She does have magical powers. Like, elves in Tolkien's world are, like, ethereal creatures, almost like, almost alien, right? They've got some pretty crazy powers. And I've written, like, a paragraph of, like, what they can do. I can go through this at some point. But the reason she comes is not to actually fight. And it's not even to, like, battle or, like, find Sauron. It's just to establish a realm of her own. And in doing so, she does counter Sauron at many stages, but she doesn't take part in the wars. I think she's seen as the most powerful, by the Third Age at least, she's seen as the most powerful being other than Sauron. It's like she- Yeah, she's the second most oldest elf other than Cirdan, yep. the shipwright. Yep. She's the she's the second oldest right. there. And it, it's strongly hinted at, in the Lord of the Rings at least, that if she ever did accept the Ring of Power, she would become- Power, more powerful than Sauron. If she if she took it, obviously she's not able to, like you know, become the master of it. But uh, there's that, the whole, it's, it's there's that whole scene. I mean, there's the whole scene of her kind of passing temptation yeah. of wearing the ring, right? Yeah. And she talk or she says like, "I'll be this. I'll be feared and loved." And yeah. So, but also, I think also it's the fact that the elves, especially elves like her, won't be. They can't. Get corrupted in the same way with the whole with the rings, but there's a hint that something might happen. Like mm. it might maybe be an abuse of power rather than being tempted and pulled towards Sauron. And that's why the three. Actually, no, that's not true. I mean, the three Elven rings were kind of created separately to the other ones, and yeah, not with yeah Anatar overlooking, and therefore yeah, yeah, and and like there's a whole thing about her hair and like how she wouldn't give she doesn't give F- Fane or. Mm. Correct. Her hair, correct, yeah. But she fucking gives Gimli the hair at the end of yeah. Lord we of the spoke Rings, about this, which is yeah. Like the whole yeah, 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 yeah. The Ring, which yeah. they don't in the movie. They just pass over. But like for her to give Gimli, and it, Three, I, yeah. like I think it's written. I th- well, I get this from Nerd of the Rings, but it's like written really, really well in that. Or maybe it is in Lord of the Rings, but they they don't talk about it too much. It's in Fellowship, maybe. It's, it's in Fellowship. It's yeah. in Fellowship. It's, it's, in, it's in very it, it's in very subtle shots, and you see like Orlando Bloom's like uh, reaction to it. And that's it. Film like book fans will. Oh, that's a nice little. But she's supposed stuff. to contain like the light of the trees, or it's said that her hair contains the light of the yeah. trees because she's born under that. So yeah, she's yeah. supposed to be like this being in itself. She's a spiritual. Yeah, it's like elves. Elves it's in the beyond, Tolkien world yeah. are like spiritual beings. Like they are spirits clad in flesh. If that makes sense. Yeah. Whereas like men and dwarves and other beings are like fleshes that are animated by spirits. Does that make sense? So it's like, and that's why if her- you think about it in that way, you understand why elves are different. In this universe, and that's why well, that's they, why they got act like fucking side. wankers. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. To an that, that's why they're so. These proud, things that right? we consider important to us 
don't make any sense to them because they're yeah. mortal. And that's why, and she's like, not even just a regular elf. She's like this whole new level of elf. So like, it just seems very weird to her, to make her just like this angry lady. Yeah. It's just really keen on just fucking, yeah. fucking shit up, you know? <laughs> like that, that's it. I'm just like, oh my God. I'll read this. This is what someone wrote. He's like a Tolkien expert. Like he's talking about elves in Middle Earth. And once I read this, you tell me if this matches what you saw, right? The greatest. Yeah. <laughs> Answers no, guys. Uh, the greatest elf lords have been known to display incredible magical powers. Finrod uses magic to disguise himself, Baron, and their companions as orcs. His battle with Sauron is a matter of counterspells, with Sauron trying to strip away the magical disguises while Finrod tries to preserve them. Elrond controlled the rivers around Imladris, and Galadriel threw down Dol Guldur with her power. Neither of these are attributed to their rings, as the three rings are specifically stated to be used for preservation and healing. Aeol, the Dark Elf, had limited control of the forests around his home and was capable of turning them into an inescapable maze. And of course, Luthien performed impressive magical feats through her greater power, in some part be attributed to her partial Maya heritage. Still, even lesser elves had magical powers. The craftsmen of Lorien created the cloaks of the Fellowship to wear, which change hue based on their surroundings. All elf-made weapons, not just sting, are known to flicker with white or blue flames on occasion. Elves don't need to sleep. They can get all the rest they need from their strange elvish dreams, and they can have them while awake and walking. Their eyes can see not just over great distances and with great precision, but they also perceive things of the unseen world that mortal eyes cannot. They can talk to birds, beasts, and even inanimate natural objects, and it was indeed the elves who awoke the first ants from trees. Tolkien takes great care to indicate that there is something alien and other about the elves. No matter how friendly and charming they are, this always separates them from mortal races. Mm. Right? That's like a summary of like the feeling you get yep. when you read the text. And even and I think Peter Jackson does a good job of yes. displaying that they are different to men and dwarves. I didn't get any of that from this show. I'm not sure if you guys did. No. And Galadriel is meant to be the most powerful by the Third Age. In well, she doesn't do magic in this, right? Yeah, there's no, there's no magic that she. There's nothing. There's nothing. Yeah. She's so meant to be able to. Well, yes, yeah. made her some warrior. That's it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, she's meant to be able to look into people's hearts, meant to be able to discern their true intentions. She does have other magical powers that are hinted in Lord of the Rings, like the the books, and and people look up to her. And I, this is another thing that they, they sort of touch on with uh, her story in this show, with Gilgalad ordering her to take the ship to Valinor. I don't think Gilgalad's in any position to order her to do anything. Right by this stage, Galadriel is already a very established, I would say, chieftain of elves. Yeah, she does stay in Linden at some time with her husband Celeborn, and rules a fiefdom of her own hmm. with Gilgalad being the High King. Sure, but Gilgalad's technically Galadriel's great nephew. So Gilgalad's oh, okay. so father, a lot younger. Yeah. Gilgalad's father is Galadriel's nephew, right? Yeah. But you don't get any of that sense in this show. The whole thing about ordering her to take the ship to Valinor that. Obviously, it doesn't happen in the books, and it wouldn't happen anyway because she doesn't want to go back. She wants to rule a realm of her own in Middle-earth, and technically, she's also banned. Yeah, so the whole thing about sending her to Valinor only to have her jump off, I feel, is a very convenient way to her to meet with Halbrand, yeah. right? Like, this is what I was talking about earlier. There's story plot points that they're like, oh, how they need do- to happen. It's like, how can we get Gladriel to meet Halbrand on the ocean? Oh, what if they send her to Valinor and she jumps off? You know, it's like, you've got your result, and they're trying to find a way to- 
Yeah. To match. And it's right, like- And why the fuck is Halbrand in the ocean too? <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, it's like it's a very thing, weak yeah. sort of- uh, it, It's- Yeah. It's and also weak. the other people that they meet on that boat, just just that whole interaction was very interesting because they funny. go from like, don't pick her up to like, oh, pick her up. She can help us to like, push her off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's all yeah, like a survival like, situation. Let's drown this rat. Bad, yeah. bad writing. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah goodness. I feel like some of some of the depiction of Galadriel as being youthful, inexperienced, brash, some of it was intentionally directed that way to make her feel like, oh, someone who's not in control. Which, yeah, like you said, I feel like they're trying to bring like first age young Galadriel into this storyline somehow without like stripping her from her magic, stripping her from her authority, her her law. I think there's some reference somewhere like in Numenor, the kids in this in this time are actually reading stories and their textbooks are filled with stories about Galadriel because that's the first stage stuff. So they're actually studying about her. She rocks up to the island and they're like, oh, no. that's the person we've been reading about. Cool. What's what's her deal? Like they're not they're completely nonplussed about Galadriel coming up to her. It should be like a whole parade of welcoming this person. But yeah, like I think I agree with what Bag have said. They kind of stripped her of her magical essence to make her a practical character. To be like, all right, she can do all this stuff. She can she can motivate people. She can uh, sow the hearts of, of Numenor and men and motivate them without having to do any magic, and that makes her more powerful. And I feel, again, this feels like some sort of executive production interference. Yeah, you can tell it's that. Like, why did they choose her as the main character in the first She, she shouldn't have been, yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's... They just wanted to choose someone that was supposed to be famous or, like, you know, from... Like, you need to bring someone yeah. that people want to follow from Lord of the Rings. But even then, I like... Only people who are really invested in Lord of the Rings would be like, yeah, I want to hear about Galadriel. Like, other people are just like, yeah, she's just, okay, she's this being, mm. this goddess in Lord of the Rings, and that's yeah. it. Like, would you have been like, oh, yeah, Galadriel, I want to find out, like, fucking whatever. When, when, when I what first she- heard about it, I felt like, oh, that's actually interesting. That's us, though. That's because we're, in, like, interested in the lore. But I feel like just normal people who would have watched Lord of the Rings, it's just very weird to pick. Galadriel is like the one you're going to mm. follow in the Yeah, actually, sorry, yeah. What what did you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was an inter- interesting choice. She just seemed like a different character, to be honest. Like, because I remember we just watched Lord of the Rings movies, so Galadriel in those movies is completely different. It's yeah. not, it doesn't seem like the same character. Yeah. Maybe she goes from this to that eventually, but it doesn't seem like it's close to, to being that. I, I have uh, a theory. I have a theory in that it, there's, a, there's a certain um, attempt at marketing. The more name familiar characters in Lord of the Rings, yeah, and making them the, making them the big draw to the series, or try and get people, try and get fans, casual, established to try and say, "Oh, wow, Galadriel was a kind of side character in the original story. Now she's a central character. We're following her struggles and her story and her, you know, machinations to war." I just don't think she was a big enough character for her to be that marketable. Like she's in Lord of the Rings, but she's yeah. not. Oh God, I just want to play the yeah. game. I'm so sick of this. Man, just thinking about this. I'm so, <laughs> so sick of this. It's exhausting thinking about this show. Yeah, it yeah. is very exhausting. Yeah. yeah. But I'm, yeah, her story though. Yeah, I, I, I think it's a story. Them. Like, look, I I actually, I, I quite like how, I keep looking to say how I pronounce it, Morphid Clark. How, I liked how she, she portrayed what she was given. There are moments of brevity. There are moments of wisdom. You, you kind of see moments of her coming out, like the Galadriel we know. Yeah. Like when, when she's trying to get Theo to, keep motivated and i'm like oh this is what i've been waiting for like the she does actual- say 
something that Gandalf says around not everything in this world is driven by darkness or yeah, by there are evil. other forces at work. Yeah, 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 yeah. Besides the will of evil, she does say that, which was yeah. There, there are a couple of good lines here and there. There are nice yeah. gems of like, yeah. okay, this is the wisdom that we expect uh, that we would love to see, but also like they that whole sequence didn't make much sense because they just met literally. It's like you're now a soldier, and she gives him a sword, and like. Just met this guy. Yeah, like, oh, yeah. just with her and Theo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And this, yeah. this is this is right after the episode where she's telling Adar she's going to take all his orcs out and slaughter them in the sunlight. And then the next episode, Theo's like, she's like, "Don't have bad thoughts." Yeah, <laughs> oh I'm like, your character development, and this is another thing I forgot to mention negatives, but like character development, part of writing, very few characters actually have any development. Elrond, yeah, okay, you can say he's got good development. Durin, you can kind of say he's got some good development. He remains the same character throughout, though. Typically, Pretty right? Much, yeah. Um, Galadriel, I don't, there's, I don't see any character development in that character. Hmm. And like again, Gilgalad, not really. He's not really in it that much. But there's yeah, not really not that much. much. Yeah. Brimbor, I don't know. Is there yeah. really? I don't think so. And so, like, just in the stories that we've covered so far, the two major arcs, yeah, not having any tangible character development over roughly eight hours worth of of show. For something that's marketed as the most expensive show ever, I think is a major, major failing. Yeah, yeah, and it's, they, it's part of the reason why you don't relate and yeah. why you don't like it's well, it's boring. Right? Yeah, like, Galadriel and Elrond, like you said, are, they're the marketable characters. They're probably mm. the main characters, the two main characters in this show. And yeah, like both both of them don't do that much in yeah. the show. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, they 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 kind of establish okay. Galadriel's blinded by revenge or this vengeance, right? yeah. and I think that we we all as fans get it. She's kind of like distracted and blinded, and not just not not acting with the wisdom and, and intelligence that we know her to have. Adar points that out when she does this whole speech about, "I will," you know, when when Adar's saying, "You know, we just want to. We're also beings of the one. We want to establish places for ourselves, and we want to be safe." And then she simply just says, "You're not worthy of existence, and I'm I'm going to wipe you out." Because she's saying that because uh, her brother was killed by these forces in you know in, in the first War of Wrath is what I'm assuming that prologue sequence was the whole battle mm. of people elves leaving Valinor to fight on Middle Earth. Oh, this um, is it's a it's a bit different. It's a bit different, yeah. but I think the yeah. uh, what, what what was it the uh, what was the name for the for the for the ba- battle of uh, the, the the battle but not the War of the not the final battle War of the Wrath, but the one they have at the north of Beleriand. Where there's like dragons and Balrogs versus the uh, Elvis for- Elvish forces. Oh, Dagor um, Bragalath. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dagor yeah. Bragalath. I feel like that first prologue sequence was a hint at Dagor Bragalath, but like they were trying to mesh all the wars of wars of one. So she, she's she's witnessed this darkness. She wants to go out. She has this vengeance. It goes way off the rails, and she's talking about basically killing all the orcs. And I'm not going to pretend like we have sympathy for orcs or orcs. We would probably want to see them wiped out as well. The way that she kind of enforces that, the next line is really well done. It's like Adar's basically telling her, oh, if you're searching for Morgoth's successor, you need to just look in the mirror because you're essentially no different to that 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 essence. So, yeah, we, we see that dip of Galadriel's dark side. And Galadriel has a dark side that is re- revisited many times. We see it in Lord of the Rings. We see it in The Hobbit. Sure, but it's not... But, it, but, but it's not that's convincing. Not the focus. It's not yeah. convincing, though, right? Like you yeah. just you're not convinced at all. And the fact that she goes back and forth, episode to episode, on this, it's just like the character development isn't permanent. And if it's not permanent, then it's not character development. Yeah. You, you can't have one episode where she's saying all these things to like to a to a young child, and then 
you know, soon after, or I guess like in this case before, but you can't have that kind of a change happen and then say that this is good writing. But yeah, so her story, let's do her story, right? So goes to Valinor, decides not to go. You realize, she says later, she doesn't feel worthy. She meets Halbrand. They end up in Numenor. Here's, here's the problem. How, what, what was the motivation of her bringing the army to the Southlands? What indication did she get that the Southlands were in trouble? Well, she finds that scroll, right? They go to the West after, after she realizes that, or after Elendil speaks to her about the pre-faithful, all that kind of stuff. He says that they do have texts that, uh, that were from a long time, from when uh, the people of Numenor worshipped the Valar and when they still had that connection. Well, yeah. go, go, back, so, go back, back, back. Right at the, right at the very start- mm. She goes to some fortress of, uh, of what Melkor's fortress. Oh yeah, Sauron's. the one in the north. Yeah, fortress one. of wolves. I think it was something. Yeah, I'm not sure. That's the one where he. What's that called? That's the one where he gets defeated by Sauron in in the very uh, first. Or, oh, it's like uh, first like, age stuff. Yeah, it's very old. Yeah, what's time. that? What's that? Do you remember what it's the, called? The Tower of Wolves. Tower of Wolves. I think it was. Called. Is that what yeah, it's called? The yeah, Melkor. Yeah. Okay, what happens there? I don't even get what happens there because that that instigates her. S- Ongoing search or some some sort of realization that Sauron is about, right? No, no. She she knows she believes that Sauron's back from how the get go because Finrod's dead. Like you know how she how oh, her he brother looks at, yeah her brother you know how she looks at her brother's corpse and sees the mark that mark that she's trying to follow yeah and she just gets like she's just like persistent that Sauron is back. So then why does she go to that kingdom up in the north or what, that fortress? I think it's like the last traces of where Sauron might have been. Well, okay. Sauron, Sauron was Melkor's lieutenant, basically. Yeah. Like, like, so I think following, General. following, yeah. uh, Melkor or Morgoth. Yeah. And then she sees that symbol, that same symbol that was carved into Finrod. And then why, then she comes back to the elves, asks for help, but they say no. Yeah. And then she's like, she's ordered to she's travel to Valinor. Back. Is she ordered? Like, can you, they actually order her? Gilgalad like says, you're going to Valinor. Okay. That, that's not yeah. how it should Which be. Which is stupid, yeah. sure. Mm. Yeah. Gets on a ship, then she jumps off. Okay, and then Yeah, and then Halbrand. she meets Halbrand, and then they get lost away. They go to Numenor. Which, by the way, Numenor has no fucking people in it. Let me just say that oh, it's yeah. devoid of people. <sighs> yeah. It's like 30 people on the island, and they somehow manage an army of 15 people. And I'm like, wow, greatest kingdom ever. <laughs> it's awesome. The way it's described oh. as being, yeah, the greatest. And we're seeing it in this golden age of like this militaristic navy force that is so strong pushes back Sauron when they come and help the elves in the, in the War of the Elves. It's like, well, we expect them to have a strong, extremely strong, like Sparta-like military force that is just, uh, you know, uh, Mate, it's overwhelming. Mate, it's like but boat people. We don't see that, it's yeah. Like rafts and just that's it. For reference, Numenor is described, like the people are described as being super tall, super strong, right? Like we're talking like Elendil is like seven foot, like 10 or something, and he's called Elendil tall. But most people are about seven foot. They don't ride horses into battle because they can't. They're too big for them. Yeah. Okay. Right. Greatest military force that exists. And when they, yeah, like when they eventually wolves. rock up, Sauron gives up. That's the whole thing. That's the point. What's yeah. supposed well, to happen when, is when they eventually, when Sauron sees the army coming towards him, his forces flee. He shoots his, yeah, he shoots <laughs> yeah. his pants and he's like, "Take me." Yeah. Yeah. It's like, and again, you don't get any of that from this. That's why I was like. When there's this, I mean, we, we're skipping, but there's yeah. a scene where the Numenorean army is <laughs> somehow <laughs> knows the GPS location of <laughs> where these orcs are. First of all, yeah. they just they've they've gotten into Middle Earth and they're you know they're going and they're just riding and yeah. somehow they know the exact location. But there's only like twenty of them. Yeah, but it's you're asking why is- you asked why they why she wants to go south. It's because she goes to, finds a scroll and she's like, "Have you ever seen this mark before?" 
and yeah, the, yeah, the guy. Yeah. So and that's the general threat of something in the east. There is nothing tying Galadriel to that one township no, it's or that map. area, right? It's because the the symbol she realizes is not Mordor. just a symbol. It's a it's a map. Yeah, you yeah, know the location. Isn't it just Mordor and Orodrin, like the mountain? Yeah, but that whole area of pre Mordor yeah. is like the Southlands. That's that's literally what it's called. Like right. that, that's like the Southland thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she finds that fucking crest thing, and then she decides that she realizes that she's found the lost king of the Southlands, and goes to Halbrand and says, "You need to." Claim your throne. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Is, what the fuck this was is that me, about? Th- th- this shits me, right? She looks at a sigil and determines this man is a descendant of kings without checking, without doing any of the homework, without even questioning what it is, and she just accepts it. <laughs> he tells her, he's like, I, 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 I could have killed someone what's and taken worse, it. What's worse <laughs> is then they rock up and these random people are like, are you our king? <laughs> yeah. Who are these people and why are they so yeah. desperate for a king? They did all this hard work. Yeah. Fuck, this guy rocks up. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> yes. The whole how, uh, and it turns out it wasn't that hard to find out that he wasn't the, the descendant because she like asked some guy to yeah she gets yeah. a PA to just fuck off yeah. somewhere yeah okay can we talk about the reveal of no, no, we'll, 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 we'll get there 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 okay uh, <laughs> I saw the best meme about that by the way it's so funny anyway yeah. all right we'll get, maybe we'll talk about Numenor now Numenor yeah we can do Numenor there's a few characters Elendil Isildur's arc okay yeah yeah um Elendil and Isildur should not be alive they're like this is like. Before They're, they were existing? Elendil and Isildur. Elendil's born 1,500 years after the rings are made, for reference, right? So this is an issue with compressing the timeline, is you're bringing characters into a period where they should not exist. Yeah. So um, Galadriel and him obviously never met. No. Yeah. No, I, I don't <laughs> think there's any anything in the text about Galadriel and him ever meeting. Uh, I'm sure Galadriel would have heard of him because of everything that he's done and who he is. Elendil should be known in Numenor, right? In in the show, it's sort of like, who are you? And like, they're trying to figure out who he is. And he's like, oh, my name is Linda, all this kind of stuff. In, he should be known because he technically would have been king of Numenor had they had the gender equal succession from the get-go. So if women were able to inherit the throne from the get-go, he, he technically would have been king, right? So he's a distant cousin to uh, Alpharazon and Tamiriel and to their king. His father's really well known, and there's a whole thing about that. He's a really, he's a really important character. And again, they sort of they made the decision to make him lesser known in the court, which I think is stupid. He shouldn't even be alive at this stage, and neither should technically Farazon and, and Muriel and stuff. They're compressing elements that should not exist, and that's because after Sauron, oh, in his in his fair form, convinces the elves to make the sixteen rings, heads back. He then has a bunch of different wars. He gets captured by the and then by the Numenorians, and he travels to Numenor as a prisoner. That's when all this stuff is technically made to happen with Farazon, Muriel, um, Elendil. Like, as Hildor. soon as he arrives, it's like he takes time. He needs he gains the yeah. trust of yeah. Farazon, becomes his advisor eventually. He does that technically in a year. Oh, he really? goes from prisoner to advisor in like I mean, one Farazon year. Seems but he's like there a, for a while. Farazon seems like an asshole. So yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> so, anyways, the fact that you're compressing timelines. It creates issues that they haven't plugged. And this is something that, again, with the writing, when they know that this is going to create an issue, they don't solve it. And that's why that there's all this stuff about the, the big wave hitting Numenor and stuff. It's way too soon for any of that to happen, technically. But yeah, so we get Asildur and Elendil. Again, these are characters that I feel like executives are like, we need to have them. Because it links to Because it links. People yeah. are going to be like, oh, Elendil, Asildur, how are we going to see what happens here? So... 
I don't know. It, it's weird. I don't know how Isildur's meant to survive, what, 2,000 years? <laughs> Until 2,000 years? 1,000? I don't know how many. I think it's 1,000 years to the War of the Last Alliance. How old do Numenoreans normally live, their longevity? It's like 300 years. Oh, not thousands. No, no, not not thousands. No, no, no. I mean, um, in, outside of the law, did you what, what did you think of like the way they kind of developed uh, Elendil and Isildur and like the whole story about Anarion running off to the west and then I didn't get anything about his kids daughter was I don't like any of his kids stories Arian. I did like Arian. I did like Elendil yeah. as a character I thought it was good um, except for the crying scene <laughs> I thought it was good yeah <laughs> um, I didn't get anything about his kids I don't understand. They spent too much time on it, I think. We talk about character progression, character development, Isildur. I didn't get anything, really. <laughs> like, so I forgot, is he currently presumed dead? I forgot if he comes back or not. I think he's presumed dead, but they're, they're pulling yeah. the Aragorn thing where the horse goes and finds him. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Right um, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right yeah. Now. Isildur's pre- so, well, yeah, he, he, yeah. Last time yeah. we see him, he's trapped under that fiery yeah. house. Yeah. But I, yeah. he, obviously, he's not, he's not but dead. But from the yeah. get-go, right, he wants to travel to the west, right? Yeah. So, he gets himself kicked off the ship. He, he's off the ship. And he doesn't travel to the west. He's like, I want to be part of the army that goes to the east. No, I think actually, I th- I think so. Do you think he wants to travel to the west because he hears that voice? Yeah, that's I think what I, thought. I, I think that voice is actually from the east. Is I think it? it's actually not from the west. Yeah, because I think that's what everyone's thinking, right? Because, but do, don't Elendil doesn't Elendil and him have that discussion? And he's like, you want to try and find an Arya, and you want to try and find your brother, who's like apparently got lost in the west of Numenor. And uh, that's what shit. I thought that that led to. So it's like, yeah. Yeah, my, my, I, don't, I don't understand. I was so confused. Yeah, by I, was, I, was, I was a bit confused. I saw an interview with Maxim Boltry um, mm. that was conducted by the uh, Matt from Rings. No, the Rings. Yeah, and I think he describes it succinctly saying that um, Isildur's main motivation is to keep his family together, and the fact that Anarion's run off to the west—that's his motivation for going to the west to try and bring him back. Oh, so his brothers run off to the west. His brothers run off. Yeah, essentially. How uh, big after- is this island? This is, is this island fucking it's, massive. It's pretty big. It's pretty big. It's massive. And then yeah. what's out in the west? What's it's basically place? like the other cities. The, the cities. It's assumed because the west is facing Valinor. The cities on the west are more faithful to the elves, yeah. whereas the, the capital and the ones to east are like the the bit of dissent, bit of. And so his difference. brother ran off there f- to be amongst the faithful. No, no, just, just run off because it's, it's hinted that their mother died pretty recently, like yeah. last year or something. And, and as a result, people are having different fallouts. Isildur's having his own issues. And, and in this story, he's described that he wants to keep his family together. But the moment he sees Galadriel come in and motivate the, uh, the troops to kind of go east, he then rekindles his passion to go and become a soldier and become, right. become part of the, the whole force. So when he, when he does see his voice being whispered, mate, that is technically coming. Schizophrenia. Yeah, it's from, so convoluted from the east. Like, Poor guy. There's a, there's a lot of different ideas they try to. I think they try to interpret too many ideas. That's that's the problem. So convoluted. Yeah. But yeah, so Gladwell eventually convinces them hmm. and convinces Halbrand. Well, I just yeah. remember the sea is always right. <laughs> <laughs> the sea is always possibly right. one of the worst things I've ever heard. Except it- except when it is left. Yeah. <laughs> West and East. Video. There was also that scene where, like, they try to sabotage the ship and, like, Isildur was trying to, like, smuggle himself yeah, in. Yeah, that was... Yeah. 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 Farazan's oh, yeah. yeah. son, Kemen, I think his name yeah. is. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't know why that... That didn't need to be put into the show at all. We, yeah. we know that there's dissent and that Farazan's kind of planning something. It ain't sure. Yeah. For reference, uh, Farazan's kid was created for the show. And Elendil's daughter was created for the show. She was, she's not a... Yeah. Yeah. Arian. Yeah. What is her point? Arian. What is she I doing? I don't know. Um, she does something at the end of the season where she's 
Wait, like with the king, right? We discovered with, with the Palantir, yeah. yeah. yeah like, Again, the Palantir should not be should not be there. And why is that supposed to be? So they didn't even re- they don't even reveal that. They they kept that in the dark, so they still have yeah. You don't know what the season two thing. That, yeah, yeah, it's a season, oh, season two, two thing. thing. But like, yeah. what's what the I hell? It's just a bounty. I, I think she's going to see the Great Wave, and then she's going to become the Muriel of the books. You know, like oh, how? Oh, really? Yeah, she's going to be taken hostage. Wade, maybe. <laughs> Anyways, the Palantir are technically in Elendil's possession. They're passed down through him. He has more than he only brings seven to Middle Earth, but there's seven hints stones. that there's more. Yeah, so they're not lost at this point. So Muriel says that the other six are lost. It's way... No, that doesn't happen yet. Elendil brings seven of the Seeing Stones with him to Middle-earth and he places them in strategic positions throughout. Amansul, Minas Tirith, I think Minas Ithil, yep. Osgiliath. Osgiliath is the biggest one. Yeah. And a few others, I can't remember where. Yeah. Oh, so it, it's, it's weird that they decided to have the Palantir and this foresight of the destruction of Numenor when none of that... Like, I reckon it would have been a great surprise if no one knew what was coming, right? So, anyways, Galadriel convinces them to go south. Yep, to go to mid to middle. Yeah, like yeah. That, that's the crux. And they spend a good episode and a half on will they, won't they? It's like, oh, will they go? No, they're not gone. It's like, oh, but they, they are going to go. It's like, nah. And finally, they decide to go. It was riveting. Right. I loved it. It was, it's shit. <laughs> <laughs> no other way of describing it. And you, you, you can't have a, you, you can't have a, like a, a show but without a scene uh, where you have the OOP character teaching a bunch of noob characters how to sword fight oh, and her like good, completely like good. acing all of them in sword fighting. Oh, the funniest and this thing like- was like, I'm going to teach you how to kill an orc. And I was like, oh, don't say stab them. And she's like, stab. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, are you fucking kidding me right now? And it was like 6,000 years to say stab. <laughs> but also like, and then she makes them seem like they're all shit. Well, because they're all volunteers. They're not and military. The, the first guy that's shit. Ends up being like the commander, like, I'm yeah, like, yeah. Uh, th- what is this? How is Numenor? How does Numenor have an army like this? This doesn't make any sense. What is going on? It's, it's. I think it's conscious decisions because they would have said, "Oh, an army. Why do they have an army? There's no invading countries. Okay, let's make them have a military, but they, they don't have weapons. It's just but like, but they do. They do invade. Yeah. They do. They've got Numenorians have like a bunch of people that travel to Middle Earth via ships, and they've got like catchments there. Like they travel consistently. Yeah, they have it's little townships. No, no, exactly. Like, they, they, yeah. like, yeah, in the law they do. I feel like the whole production team or whatever, they would have maybe just sat down and going, all right, why don't we just give these guys swords, armies, lances? And someone's like, oh, why? They're not, there's no one's fighting them. They don't need a defense sure. force. But, but even like, that doesn't make sense because they travel with what? Three ships and every single one of them has a horse. And yeah. you look at that one scene in the stables, there's like maybe one row. Of like ten horses, yeah, yeah, <laughs> but yeah. Little, like none of it makes sense. It's weird though. Like every civilization is just if you have a town, you have a big city, you have a big island, you have an army. Like it doesn't even if no one's invading, bro. No one's invading Australia, but we can have an army or some like piece of shit town somewhere. I'm sure it will have some sort of self defense mechanism. You know, yeah, like yeah. there will be armies. It doesn't make it's one of the basics. It seems a bit dumb, especially like. You know, we're supposed to replicate like middle age sort of behavior, right? Yeah. Or this world. So, like, it's been classic. You have people that fight for you who protect you. I don't know. Mm. It's weird. I mean, but they, also, I, there's sea monsters around. Sea monsters, yeah. What, so, that, you yeah. need someone to fight against this shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's, true. True. that's true. One what, one positive is the depiction of Numenor when they first sail into Numenor. That was done well, I reckon. I mean, before you know what's oh, in Numenor. Scenery, yeah. The well, scenery, you see the statue of Arendelle and. Oh, yeah, the statue of Arendelle. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure you the see. Sets and all that stuff is done. Visually. Like Elrond's mother is what's her name? Elrond's mother, the one who t- turned into a bird temporarily. Who? Elwing. Elwing. Yeah, you see uh, Elrond's statue has Elwing next to it. 
Was that Elwing or is yeah. that the um, Tarondia? No, no, no. It's, the it's, King it's, of Eagles. No, no, no. It was an actual swan. It was like a swan. Oh, a swan. Okay, yeah, I, yeah, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't see it. Properly. It was cool. And it was, it was like, sick. Yeah, it was. It was, it was, it was actually the and, and the music, obviously. Oh, and yeah. the tree sailing into ships. Yeah, all, all that. The whole thing about Numenor looks amazing. Yeah, like yeah. The, the the world building is actually pretty flawless. It's just the people and the like, the whole everything the, else and the scenes <laughs> are good. Like, there's particular scenes where like you have the vision of the. You know the, the apocalypse way, yeah. or whatever you call. It. Oh, the destruction was great. And that like, destruction and the, also, the trees, yeah. like uh, all the white falling, leaves yeah. or whatever, or f- falling off. All that stuff looks incredible, but like it's yeah. all for nothing. It's exactly like, yeah. And it's they happen to be all the scenes in the trailer, so that's why the trailer looks so good. All the yeah, all the scenes that are good for nothing. And that's why I never I never watch trailers because I know that's like a thirty second elevator pitch by executive production trying to get people on. I don't watch that shit. Um, what about uh, is, and uh, then Halbrand? Before you get there, Isildur's relationship with Elendil, like towards the middle episodes part where they finally start bonding. I thought that was pretty good. When they actually defeat, they go to the town, they help the villages, and it's just Elendil and Isildur talking about their relationship with you know, the horses and stuff, even though the technique shouldn't have horses. It's kind of touching on that. Finally, you see the bond between father and son. Maybe, but I think they took, I think, yeah, they, like, I think just in general, the show took way too much from Peter Jackson's thing. Yeah. Quotes, themes, motives. Line, I think the uh, direct concepts. lines were a bit jarring. Some, some lines, lines were directly taken from the film. Yeah, I, I think it's too much. No, I thought that that scene, good intention. Like oh, I understand what they're trying to do, but then like saying, "Oh, can you teach me?" Right? That was he's like, "Oh, can you teach me about how to talk to horses? I understand horses." <laughs> yeah. And then they, then he just like turned to this crying heap in front of his dad. I was like, "What the fuck is this? What's going on here?" But yeah, Halbrand's arc in that. Halbrand's arc, yeah. Again, it's like he just wants to be left alone. <laughs> and like he keeps getting pulled back into this main plot with Babai Gladriel. And yeah. he's constantly saying, no, I don't want to. And what, was that all just an act, I guess? Like- well, I mean, I, I genuinely believe that he was like, I just don't want to like screw it. Like, I just don't want to get, I just want to forge things. I want to be like, do my own thing. But he wanted to stay in Numenor. That's the real, that's the interesting part. He wanted he to did, stay yeah. in Numenor. Yeah, but we're we're assuming that this is the vision that he is Anath- that that he's following the same steps as Anathar. We know that that Halbrand is Sauron, right? Yeah, we're, yeah. we're assuming Halbrand, that Halbrand that's the vision. Sauron, guys. I don't think <laughs> that the, the creators had the vision to think that far ahead, right? I think we got to bring it back a few steps. Oh yeah, maybe. it's just like because if, 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 if we Sauron do take that to, to be the case, Numenor on a boat. Surely he has other means of getting to Numenor. If we do take that to be the case, yeah. then you have to accept the fact that he does everything by chance. Everything falls into his lap by chance, right? By chance. So Galadriel happens to fall into onto his thing. He, he happens to that. come across Numenor. He happens to be swept into Middle Earth to the Southlands, and then happens to get injured. And Galadriel happens to take him mm. to a region, not Lindon, to a region, and he happens to find Celebrimbor. <laughs> like it's just there's too much chance there. It doesn't make sense. It's shit writing. There's a, there's a theory that Isildur, like he's somewhere in Southlands. He gets uh, Barak finds him. The horse finds him. He gets saved. There's a theory. He he finds Halbrand's slaughtered body somewhere in the Southlands, and Sauron has basically taken over his body in between the time that yeah. But that's that I tell you why that's wrong. I know the Rings said this right. In his yeah, yeah, I think stream. it was his theory. Yeah, 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 I, yeah, listened, yeah. I listened to it this morning. The reason that doesn't make sense is because this whole Halbrand is Sauron. This whole Sauron thing happened right at the start where he took up that that sigil. Mm. So like the planning, like all these actions were committed by. Not an innocent person. Like you have to assume that everything is done because him taking a sigil is not what an innocent Halbrand would do, right? Like he's just taking the sigil on purpose, yeah, with yeah. malintent. So it doesn't really make sense to say that there's actually an innocent Halbrand the whole time until 
Sauron takes it. No, but that's true. Because he remembers would, events. That sounds yeah. better though, because that would yeah. make more sense. Because this whole Halbrand shit. Oh, fuck. We'll <laughs> 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 talk about that. Everyone, everyone, like I, all, all the. I don't know about Israel, but all of the like book people were like, we're picking up on things that happened. With, I, to- I told with you guys at the end of Return of the King. I was yeah, like, yeah. I was like, Sauron. Yeah, yeah. And it was like, we're pretty sure this dude's Sauron. And when it ended up being the case, it was like, oh, you couldn't have like tried to misdirect. And they tried to do a misdirect by making the stranger yeah. proclaimed as Sauron by these, uh, by the mystics. Oh, yeah. right? we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. The, the, the but I mean, that, 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 wasn't, that wasn't the misdirection I was the reason for. I was, I thought, yeah, that's the reason I was pushing for Halbrand not to be Sauron is because I was trying to assume better writing. Like, if I yeah. assumed that the writing would be shit, it's like, yeah, fuck it. I mean, yeah. Sauron is Halbrand and this wizard is Gandalf. Like, well, there's a, the there's simplistic, that's easy. There's a like, moment. And they've done it. There's a moment where it, it kind of still keeps the door open as to some possibility of what else is happening in the background that we don't see. When Celebrimbor's coming up and saying, oh, we, we need power over the flesh. We need to tap into the unseen world. And Galadriel's like, what the fuck did you hear this from? Like, this is sounding really evil. And she asks him, and he looks really kind of like puzzled and nonplus like he just witnessed something weird like he was kind of shaken and he's like oh i think i overheard it from one of my um you know my smiths that's when it hit me like oh maybe it's someone like at that point we don't know who the reveal is yet i thought maybe it could be someone who's not on the screen someone who's just in the, in the background cool. yeah, but that, that writing awesome. is too good the writing is shit yeah that would know this. cool imagine if in, as you were saying, I think you said you took a screenshot from the trailer or whatever, and you're like, oh, could this be Anatar? Yeah. That'd be sick if yeah. that was the case. But yeah, yeah. even then, it would not be, it's still not, the whole show wouldn't be redeemable. But like, no. at least you have something cool creeping in, you know? I, I was, at, at this point in the show, I was hoping that they wouldn't show anything to do with Sauron. Yeah. And they wouldn't yeah. show the creation yeah. of the ring. Because yeah. there's nothing that. I was like, I was thinking about the scene. For it. You know that scene in Vikings when Odin comes to visit Ragnar's sons to tell him that. Ragnar's dead. Spoilers for oh, Vikings. I've only seen like the first three seasons. Okay. No one's going to know what this is. I'll, 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 t- <laughs> is it, I'll show you guys later. You mean in Assassin's that, Creed? Did you, <laughs> Assassin's Creed. When you saw it, did you know that that was Odin? Yeah, immediately. Okay. You know. All because right. you hear the voice and you're like, shit, like chills. I'll show you guys on the screen later. Right. Anyways, I'll talk about this later. We'll, we'll catch on. Well, we're well devoid, devoid from how they did it, the lead up to it and, you know, the choice. What did you guys think of the actual moment when Halbrand's facing Galadriel and the the ball drops? He drops. He's like, "Yeah, I, I have been awoken since the first Discord or the first time that there." I wasn't. Been a noise. I wasn't it's surprised because like, I knew breaking silence from yeah, the get go. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I knew, like, as I saw the story wasn't progressing and the writing was just subpar. I was like, "They're not smart enough to do a double twist." Yeah. Right? yeah. There's no more twist there's, there. There's no more twist. Yeah. There. Was this was this after we already knew that the stranger wasn't? Sauron? I think we knew that, right? You, you know in, it. In the yeah, last in the episode. It's almost last, like immediate. Like, yeah, it's like the next scene. You have scene, a fight right? and the next scene. The next scene. It, so yeah. I'm like, okay, well, it's not that guy. And then- Okay, let's talk about- Then we should talk about Halbrand. So he's- Yeah, okay. So we've kind of covered how he's come up. Yeah. So do you think that- So what are all the, all the hints that he is Sauron are that- Well, I guess the fact that he's rocked up to Numenor- and he's a blacksmith. The, the fact that the fact that he's a, a four, like a blacksmith and a very capable one is the first hint you ever get. What does he anything, do? Right? What's the first thing he makes a sword. He makes a sword, and it's look. It looks sick. Yeah. And he's so intent on being a blacksmith. Yeah, like he's trying, trying to convince everyone to steal a blacksmith's guild. Even beforehand, yeah. he bloody ditches all those guys on the boat when you know when the sea monsters trying to kill everyone. He like tie, unties himself from them and like jumps away, and it's like, oh yeah, so he's not a good person, yeah. right? Just inherently. And then My- he has the fight in Numenor against those guys, and he beats the shit out of them. Yeah. Right? And you're like, okay, he's definitely not a good good person. 
He loves, yeah. he's like, for some reason, he really wants to get into forging things and, and being a blacksmith. My, my first hint that I really was convinced was when he told Galadriel how to manipulate her enemies. He, t- he literally told her yeah. how to get your enemies to do what you want to do. And I'm like, that's Sauron the Deceiver. But it's actually not even... Actually, his advice was decent advice, it which was. I found it weird was. because imagine Sauron fucking giving Galadriel decent advice on how to behave is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Like, yeah. like that. there should be no interaction that where this makes sense. But yeah, I agree. You're like, you knew there was something going on with this guy. Yeah. That's why I thought... He should have. He should be from the race of man, but have like this underlying kind of evil, or like a bit of evil that then can get exposed. And if he gets corrupted by the ring, he turns into like the Witch King or one of the Nine or something like. that. I thought that, or a Black uh, Newman, uh, not a Black Newman, or but like one of the people that gets get, that gets converted. One to of be, the kings. I I, yeah. I thought he was going towards becoming the Witch King of Angmar, or one of the like, or Kamul, someone who ends up going to. Yeah, because I'm like that would make sense because. He, you can see a little bit of darkness in him. But my other issue with Halbrand is he has like legitimate that scene where he then tries to retcon and say that I was just lying to you. But when he's talking about how he found something to fight for and there's like deep, like there's a lot of expression in his face and like he's kind of hinting towards Galadriel that something's going on or whatever, right? I just find that you can't. So Sauron is not supposed to, I like if you're talking about Tolkien writing, right? Mm. Melkor was like anarchy, right? Like the whole concept of Melkor is just like, fucking do whatever he wants to do his own thing. You yeah. Want. Yeah. yeah. And like actively just fuck everything, like just yeah. cause. All, and But Sauron comes from the thought that the world will be better in in a very ordered manner and doesn't believe in free will and believes he is the one to do it. And it doesn't matter about the subjugation of others. It needs yeah. to be done this way, right? You're talking about order. And which is, I think what Tolkien has tried to establish is he's talking, really, he's talking about concepts. Like Sauron is not, there's nothing that would indicate in the writing that this guy is a complex person that starts off in this way and he has, oh, I'm going between good. No, it's not that. It's this person's like, it's like how um, JK, even JK Rowling, how she wrote Voldemort is even too human like even going beyond that it's like you're this force that's unstoppable and it is wanting to reign over others for the sake of order in in a terrible way right that's sauron to then be like oh he can replicate human emotions in this real intricate way which is what Mm -hmm. this actor is doing credit to him yeah but it's like well now you're muddying so are you saying like this sauron person is kind of complex because then it's like, well, oh, are you, doesn't, you're doesn't making Sauron, him too human. Well, hold on. Doesn't he, uh, in the very, very early time, ages of the Iron Ore, doesn't he try to repent? There's a, there's a period where you actually- No, they're like, if you want to repent, repent, you need to come to Valinor. And he's like, nah, fuck that. And he bails out. No, no, but th- th- there's a period where he, he, he goes to to indicate that he wants to repent after after the fall of Morgoth, I believe. And that's what he's talking about, like, when Galadriel was like, oh, you aligned yourself with Morgoth. And he's like, no, when Morgoth was slain- it was like a grip was released, or the, the, uh, a boot was released from my well, neck. This is what I think they were trying to go for, and it actually might have landed had they done it properly. Was that if, and if we're taking this to be an alternate universe, and you just assume that after Sauron's master died, he just wanted to do his own thing, which was he just wanted to forge, and he learned under the smith Owl A, like the Valar, yeah, yeah. how to create things. So that's his love, genuinely, is to create things. He just wants to make shit. And so he goes to Numenor, the smith's there. He just wants to do that for us for the rest of his life. I was like, you can if you push it, like you can actually kind of conceive it. And the actor does a good job of convincing you, but it doesn't do a good job of making you think that that's 
when you see the reveal that it's a double play. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that doesn't make sense. Like yeah. I said, there's too many coincidences. Like, yeah. did he plan all He couldn't have planned all he this. He couldn't so, have planned any yeah. of it. No. Yeah. No, it was, it was, it was more so he was riding the wave and, and look, he's known as the deceiver. I wish we saw more of his deception through illusion because he is a master illusionist. Like he, he changes forms all the time. Yeah. He's a shapeshifter, right? Yeah. Like yeah. I, I would have loved to have seen at one point, like, you know, that, that flashback when you see Galadriel's taken back to, uh, Valinor and she's speaking with Finrod as a grown up now. And, but the words coming out of Finrod's mouth are like kind of Sauron's illusion mm. where it's like, you know, you have to touch the dark again and, let the rings be created. Don't disturb that. Keep that going. It's like it would have been really cool if we saw Sauron appearing through Finrod as Anatar to Galadriel to kind of corrupt her, the, mo- the thing that was most precious to her. Mm. I would have done that. In real life. No, no, in, in her vision of what she was seeing in, in going back to Valor. When her and her and um her, 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 her and Halbrand are chatting at the end and then he like goes. That is but that is what she, like that is not true, right? That that dream wasn't true. No, no, that is the wasn't corrupted true. It was, dream. It was all corrupted yeah. dream. Yeah. And, and like I, I, I would have taken, if you're going to take credit liberty, go to the nth degree and create little flashbacks where you saw Sauron in different places, like pushing people to do certain things. That would have been much yeah. more like- yeah. That would have been actually like- Like, cool. like a Game of Thrones wish list where I had where, you know, if Bran actually wagged into different people and made them do shit at different points in time. Yeah. It's a similar kind of wish and list. And also like right at the end where he's- what, so- Celebrim was just going to suddenly believe this guy that's like... Yeah. And he also oh, doesn't question when he goes missing, does he? Like, it's, this yeah, guy's well, just Galadriel gone. doesn't tell anyone. Firstly, yeah. He doesn't he, tell he anyone was, she knows who the Dark Lord is. Yeah. Even the elves are like, how did you heal this quickly from this wound? If elves are telling you yeah. that elven medicine couldn't have... Like, it's surprising that you've gotten back. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Fucking, he's got an injury. And so Galadriel takes him on a six-day nonstop ride. Yeah. On, oh, yeah. On a horse. <laughs> yeah, on a horse. Like, from, the, from the Southlands <laughs> all the way up to Eregion. Like, are you fucking kidding me right now? Like, Yeah, didn't you know that, yeah, Celebrimble and they, they walked it, so it's fine, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, <laughs> they walked yeah. it. So these no, guys no, can ride that's not what. So that's not what's a problem to me. The problem to me is Galadriel, in this, in this version of the story, which is obviously not book accurate, she finds out Sauron's been behind giving Celebrimbor advice on how to forge the rings. She finds out that Sauron is Halbrand and Halbrand is Sauron. And then she doesn't tell anyone. She doesn't stop the production of the rings. If I was her, I'd be like, stop this fucking thing. Destroy these rings. I don't know what Sauron has done. It's going to cause problems. Like, obviously, the rings are needed. But if this is where you're going to go, she can't just be quiet and be like, oh, yeah, Sauron had some good things to say about the rings. So let's keep this going. That doesn't make sense to me. Like, if you're going to show She does it out of shame as well. And he's like, or what happens they, when they find out that you let me in? Like, are you seriously saying that the whole, the ending to this story is that Gal- Galadriel has too much of an ego to tell them that this person is actually evil? So go ahead, just make, make these weapons. Yeah. That's stupid. That is so dumb. It would have been, it would have been better if she said, Halbrand was Sauron. We've been deceived. Just say but, it straight But up. to counter it, instead of creating two, we need to create three. That would have made, that would have made that would be enough for me to say okay let's let's do something that he didn't know about or at least which is like, like make make it so that Celebrimbor and Sauron have made because what's supposed to happen is they're supposed to make the other rings yeah and then Celebrimbor yeah. makes these rings but what Last. happened to the other rings it's, it's like, like yeah he's made whole to spend like three hundred years teaching the elves the forge elves like his ways of like imbibing magic into objects and like teaching them how to create incredible artifacts and then eventually they create sixteen rings. For they men, do, no, nine, nine no, for no, men, no, 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 seven for the dwarves. No, no, none of that. They just create sixteen rings. Oh, really? Right. It, then there's no plan to give them to anyone yet. It's just they create sixteen rings. All are intended for the elves, and then well, Sauron all goes, intended for the elves. all are intended for the elves. Sauron goes back to Mordor to create his one ring. 
In secret, Celebrimbor decides to forge three more rings for particular elves. Who, who, now what happens then? Who hangs on to the 16? Celebrimbor. He has it with him. Right. He locks it away. And then when Sauron comes, when Sauron learns that Celebrimbor made three more, he's furious. He's like, give them to me, basically. And everyone's like, no. Cause when, when That's Sauron, how he dies. When, when Sauron puts on the one ring for the first time, the elves are aware of his deceit. Yeah. And right? they take it off. They take them off. They take mm-hmm. their elven rings off. But they, I think they put him back on when they go do their own realms and yeah. stuff. And then, yeah, he comes, Sauron comes, fights, uh, like does the battle in Aragon and stuff, takes Celebrimbor hostage, gets the 16 rings. Yeah, by force. Yeah. By force. The dwarves attack from behind and then he flees back west. Yeah. With Celebrimbor. Tortures him and kills him and then like a bunch of other stuff happens. Yeah. Then, in his fair form, decides to give seven to the dwarf lords and gives nine rings to men. Yeah. Which corrupts them over a long time. Into the right. It's not but also, just like does a, he, It's not like I don't. He doesn't like just hand out like seven at the same time, right? Yeah, it's exactly. like kind of like one by one, slowly yeah. infiltrating and trying. It does, to, yeah, because yeah, the nine rings, three were given to Numenorean royals, hmm. one was given to a king in the east of men, and the other five you don't know who which men he gives them to. Yeah. But it's meant to be like this, and that's what I thought this was going to be. It's like the show. centuries it's, it's, of it's like slow great, deception. Exactly. Right? Yeah, that's, that, that's the is. thing. Yeah. But this is like twenty minutes of this episode is spent. On the rings of power, yeah. and, and there's like even. more, more respect on like three oh, rings. They're yeah. with the rings. Oh, I feel like uh, and, Jeff. What? And so now he's just gonna. And then don't even get me started about. So surely Sauron in the law is already supposed to have a certain sort of relationship with Mordor. By the way, Mordor was already called Mordor by the elves long before during Melkor's time. It's not fucking this whole. Wo- I thought the whole word art, the PowerPoint presentation. Or oh, you hear the yeah. thing about. Sidebar. Here's the thing about how everyone's like, oh, nah, it, the wizard might not be Gandalf because there was no PowerPoint transition. Sauron changes the Istar. <laughs> Gandalf. Yeah. Anyways, continue. Yeah. Well, like, so surely there was some sort of relationship. Like, Mordor doesn't just come about, right? Like, there has to be something. When they're talking about this is going to be the kingdom for which Sauron is going to rule from. There has to be something lurking there that's evil. So there must be some preordained relationship between Sauron and Mordor in those areas that well, then he, Sauron builds up. Yeah. Right? Well, after he gets, after he puts on the One Ring, he creates Barador the Tower using the power of the but Ring. But he creates the Ring. He creates in the Ring. Yeah. Mount Doom. Correct. Right. Yeah. And so it's weird that this guy. It, well, at least what it seems to me at the end of all of this is that now for the first time he's just rocking up to Mordor and he's just gone for a walk into Mordor. It's like. It just seems very weird. It's, like, it's very weird. Surely yeah. it should be more of a. I have now. I can now return to Mordor for what I'm gonna do, or yeah. you know, I don't know, like something like that. Yeah, right? exactly. Yes. See, the sixteen rings were created originally to pr- help the preservation of the elves on Middle Earth. Yeah. So that concept they tried to do with the whole mithril thing. Yeah. But like you already said, like you don't see the creation of the other sixteen rings. So who does it? And like, mm-hmm. obviously, so obviously, far, obviously Sauron's so not going to be. So far, there's no other rings. Yeah, and uh, right. Sauron's influence isn't going to be on these sixteen rings now because he's not there. Yeah. And he, he makes these rings with Celebrimbor, unless that's what's in his pouch. <laughs> yeah, but then, like, that's so true, right? Yeah, exactly, right. But then imagine that. Imagine that would be the worst thing ever yeah. to skip over these rings, which are so important, right? Yeah. We think about you think about the Nazgul and how important they are and like the the doom of the dwarves it's because yeah. of these rings like I, I feel like what they're going to do is they're going to show Sauron forging the rings of, of power like yeah, the of one, the men's of the they dwarves in, in Orodrin and then making his one and then activating his one and then everyone everyone who's wearing his rings except for the elves get subjugated 
instantly. So they're not going to. Even like, that's, even that's too good a writing for this. <laughs> I don't even have high hopes. Maybe they're going to make, yeah, maybe yeah. they're going to make him just yeah. make all the rings in Orojuin. I love the, the, my favorite meme of this particular one with the rings is uh, Jeff Goldblum in Jurassic Park like, coming up to the camera. like, oh, eventually you're going to have uh, rings of power in your rings of power show. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, is this thing on? That's good. <laughs> I think um, my funniest was Galadriel. It's like, she's the, the it's like she's going to Halbrand and it's like, you are the king of the Southlands. And Halbrand's like, I'm not the king of the Southlands. And it's like three episodes later, Galadriel's like, you are not the king of the Southlands. You deceived me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's it, it makes her look dumb. The fact that she was hunting for Sauron while Halbrand was right next to her. Yeah, I mean, you can say that's Sauron's power of deception, but it just makes her look really dumb. It's like- Yeah, it seems like, yeah. it makes But it makes Sauron seem f- like way too OP compared to her. And she's supposed to have some- she needs you can make no, you can make Sauron OP, but they didn't do any of that actual uh, deception or shape shifting, right? Like yeah. they, they could have shown him masquerading as Celebrimbor at some point, yeah, or or or, or coming. But in. They make him what they without doing that. They make him like default. They're just like default default Halbrand, just way too OP and Galadriel shit. Like the, she's a dumbass. Like that's what like I don't know. It's like yeah. a disrespect to the character of Gal- uh, Galadriel. Like I'll, I'll I'll be honest. It was interesting to see that whole water raft vision of him telling Galadriel, join me and become my queen. Yeah, that was like that's the first time I, oh, I didn't even think that that was something that could be explored. And you see that like, vision of like Sauron and Galadriel in her queen form. Yeah. And I'm like, that's interesting. And she's also I she's, feel she's like kinda, that's good imagery. It's yeah. Interesting imagery. Interesting imagery. And the fact that she's like, oh become join against- join join you as the as the dark lord. It's like, no, you will bring the light and I will give you power. And or you, yeah, you remind me to stray towards the light, straight towards right? the light, and or it's whatever like, he says. And then he starts to say the lines from Lord of the Rings, where he goes into, you know, I'll make you stronger than the foundations of the earth, like planting these lines as yeah. if when many thousands of years later, Galadriel finally yeah, has a chance. They're trying to like, like I'm, I'm going to do it myself. They're trying to retcon, kind of re. I don't know what the terminology. It's like a type of retconning, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah they're yeah. like, they're oh yeah, to no, reestablish okay. the yeah. the reason why Galadriel wants it for herself, as if she can do it without him. And I'm like, no, no, don't take her power away from that. Yeah, she would herself become, you know, uh, one of these one of these elf queens if she had the ring. But yeah, it was an interesting take. Once Halbrand's revealed, it's just like, yeah, you accept it. All right, move on. And it's going to be really interesting to see how they go from here. Like, how how are they going to show? Charlie Vickers' character, you know, the guy who plays Halbrand. Yeah. How are they going to show him from now onwards? Yeah. That'll be that'll be really interesting. They to need see. to morph him. I feel like then he looks too ordinary to be like this, this, you know, this incarnation of Sauron. That's my other issue, is what he actually looks like. Like, how much more incredible and kind of mysterious is Anatar in the fair form? I find that far more incredible. I remember when I was playing Shadow, Shadow of Mordor. They do yeah, it Shadow so Mordor. well. Yeah, yeah. It's unbelievable. Just like because you first see this guy, like, because I didn't know about this lore. The only reason I looked up lore for Lord of the Rings was because I started playing Shadow of Mordor. Yep. Then I started reading about stories and I was like, holy shit, it's quite a lot. And once when I was in ICU, my registrar, who was an absolute Lord of the Rings fiend, was like, <laughs> let me tell you for the next eight hours about Lord of the Rings and the Silmarillion. And I got this massive lecture from him. Right. And I was like, whoa, okay. So this is like, there is a lot here. Because I, I didn't even know about this. But I remember when I was playing that game, when you see this, this white elf. First assumption is it's just a white elf. That's it. Yeah. I was like, who, who is this guy going to be? Maybe just some other important. I didn't know. I yeah, was yeah, like, yeah. there's no way they're dealing with Sauron. And then the revelation of him being evil and being Sauron. I'm like, 
this imagery is far better than this semi-homeless man being Sauron. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Make it, someone really, make it really interesting. Yeah, like, if you want to see how everyone was expecting this would be done, is yeah, this, the cut scenes from Shadow of Mordor, the, the flashback cut scenes of Celebrimbor. That's that was really well executed. Well, there's two two more stories, and there's the shorter ones. I don't think there's as much to say about them. But the the other people in the Southlands, like that that elf and the the lady, Arondia, Arondia, yeah, Arondia yeah. Bromwin and Thea. Arondia yeah. doesn't act like an elf, right? Yeah. Can we all establish that? He's kind of cool character, but he doesn't act like an elf. Oh, yeah, he kind of acts I, like a different. You're, you're right. Elf, I, say, yeah, I would say he acts like a different elf. I was actually happy with the way they did his portrayal. Yeah, as an elf, I was like, yeah, look, it's a different universe. If that's how you want to do elves, great. But none of the other elves are like that. So that's what pissed me off. Yeah, I was like, if you're gonna have a character like that like that, keep it consistent. Who's in love with Bronwyn? Bronwyn. Bronwyn. Yeah, um, and also gets released. Oh, we got to talk about Adar. Fuck. <laughs> and uh, we got to talk about the orcs. Yeah, I feel like Adar was a foil for more, for Sauron. Like they're trying to make him seem like the, the villain of the show, but he's just. Let me just say the yeah. character of Adar doesn't make any sense. You can't say that you are the first Uruk, meaning orc, right? That's where the term orc comes from. Is the word Uruk, hmm. right? Yeah. And the first Uruk was created by Melkor, Melkor. so he's technically older than Gladriel. Yeah, it's supposed to be this first age shit. Yeah. What the fuck are you making this guy just? Yeah, I'm the first orc and one well, of the very I look first. semi-human, yeah. but also weren't orcs like these. Didn't he get the elves and transform them into orcs? And then there's like goblin and there's all this weird shit. So Tolkien wrote it and then he scrapped it. Because uh, the problem is that if you have an elf, all elves make their way into the halls of Mandos. Yeah. Right. And so his priest problem was after he wrote it, he was like, shit, I can't have orcs dying and going to the halls of Mandos. So he scrapped it. But it would but make then, sense if you turn them to the darkness, dogs. then you can like scrap their connection with... Maybe, Valinor and, but I, I think it was a big. It's a big point with this. So he didn't really go into it that. Wait, way. didn't didn't Uruks come after Orcs? Even though the, the not Urukai, not Urukai, no, no, no. just Uruks. just just Uruks. Because I thought Uruks were made after the like, Orcs couldn't can't go out in the sun, right? So I thought Uruks were trying to that's Urukai on that, isn't it? No, no, no. Orcs couldn't go in the sun. Urukai could go in the sun. Yeah, that's that. Urukai were made by Saruman. There's there's two different things. But Uruk is different, Uruk right? is technically not a term they should be using. But I don't think we need to go into it. It's a long okay. discussion. Okay. Yeah. The main point is that. I think the orcs are done really well. Um, oh yeah, yeah, orcs were yeah. Like, Adar, yeah, yeah look, he's gonna come back in season two. Some of the costume I had issues with because you can't. I didn't think these the faces of these orcs were as good as the Lord of the Rings orcs. I okay. found okay, fair not enough. as terrifying, and I found like the makeup just being stiff. Mm. Fair enough, mm. fair enough. What I did like was that they seemed formidable. Right, like one orc yeah. seemed a force. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. that's what I liked. like. Like that one that fights. Um, what's his name? Yeah. The, oh, Arundia. Arundia. yeah. No, I wasn't happy with that. I was uh, happy with how in the even for like Theo and Bronwyn, yeah, it was like freaky. Oh, yeah, that yeah, scene yeah, yeah. in the house, yeah. right? And it makes sense. These guys are villagers; they're not fighters. Yeah. Uh, I had an issue with Aonde's one because conveniently that orc doesn't have any weapons. It's like yeah, WWE fighting, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, So I, I like the fact that they were formidable. I, I didn't mind the whole plot about what they wanted to do with Mount Doom. I wasn't a huge fan of the sword being the key. That unlocks the That's dam. I thought weird. that was a bit weird. Oh, yeah, the sword what the hell weird. is that? What? If, if, the, if the volcano is that active to that point, I think rain and snow and shit would have triggered an, an eruption. Sense. So it that doesn't make sense. What is right? that? Is that supposed to be some old temple of some dark? What, what is this? It's it's meant to be a tower. A like, tower. like the uh, the um, contingency plan of of Melkor. Once, like, if Melkor was captured, they, they right. explain it in the show. I don't. I think it's bullshit. None of it's none of it's book lore accurate. Yeah, I think it's yeah. bullshit. The whole I mean, thing, if Melkor goes down, there's a contingency to to redo activate. the okay. uh, the lands so that there's a place for 
yeah. another force to come up. Melkor's not even like Melkor is up north generally. He doesn't really have a relationship with Mordor, does he? It's oh no, weird. he creates Mount Doom. He creates the volcanoes. He creates he? volcanoes in general. Yeah, he creates. Right. He, he terraforms a lot of stuff. That's the bond that they have yeah. with Mordor. Essentially, it was yeah. crafted by that power. So, I mean, I, I like the visualization of the volcano erupting and that whole the the whole pyroclastic flow and effects of that. And I'm not going to go into who survives pyroclastic flows. And again, <laughs> lazy writing, right? It's yeah. just lazy. Like no one is going to survive that. It's an eruption, talking hundreds hundreds of degrees yeah. in temperature. Yeah, and it's like pyroplastic. No one survives that. Yeah, no. It's one. usually thirty. But the fact degrees, that yeah. the fact that random people survive, you don't get a sense as to why. It's just stupid. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah. It is. I mean, look, the desolation is pretty raw. Like you see, like horses burning and people burnt and that kind of stuff. It's brutal. Yeah, yeah. It's brutal. But Galadriel is like unfazed, unfazed. She just stands there as well. Could be the magic. Also, she doesn't yeah. help people who yeah. are dying. Yeah, yeah. No, she just stands <laughs> there yeah. and uh, yeah. It's like, and Theo, then, let's go. <laughs> um, Adar disappears, so he's obviously going to be back season two. So what, he says one thing how, that he killed Sauron. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which yeah. is they're, they're going to have to go into this at some point. Yeah, they're they're no idea what it doesn't make. Do, yeah, I don't know. Well, and, as in whether there's there's got to be some. I guess Adar doesn't. He can't recognize Halbrand in that situation. Correct. Yeah, but, but Halbrand, who he is. Yeah, it's some weird. Who knows? I'm sure it'll be a stupid storyline, but yeah, yeah, we'll I'm be. sure. <laughs> uh, anything else about the Southerners? Uh, There's nothing really to mention. I wasn't that invested in this story, too. Yeah, yeah I mean, Arondir's yeah. arc with Bronwyn and the fact that they all stay together was was done well. I think they tried to make the audience care for a bunch of different people who were in struggle and strife. Yeah. The battle scenarios were interesting. I I, I would I personally would. That whole village, the episode six with the siege of the tower and the village and all that kind of stuff, the multi stage battle. That was look. That was done well from the enemy's point of view, where they kind of used people as as foils against the first wave, yeah. and then they eventually got overwhelmed and almost basically died. Yeah, look, some scenes were done pretty well. Bronwyn why'd almost they, died. Why they let? So. Why they let Arundia leave? Why they let him go? Why did they let uh, to deliver a message? I think. Yeah. It's it's lazy writing, right? It's just lazy writing. It's like well, it's like it's like I think at that point, uh, Adar was. Why would you deliver a message? Why don't you just go there and kill him or take him hostage? It doesn't make any sense. Go, let them prepare. <laughs> like seriously, no, sense. literally, let them prepare. It's so and dumb. then when they get to that village, the house, they're like, "Oh, we need to let Bronwyn survive. So let, let's give him five minutes for them to heal her, yeah. and yeah. then we'll attack." It's just, it's stupid. There's too many fake outs with Bronwyn's death, right? Oh, that, that's um, true. Too many fake outs. Yeah. And yeah. Theo, again, you're not really attached to these characters that much. Yeah, who cares character about- progression? Yeah, yeah you don't care. Character progression is very. This Morgul blade. What's the deal with it? We don't know. It, it's the key to that thing. That's it's all. Just, that's all it is. I thought it was meant to be like a weapon that maybe Sauron crafted in that tower in that fortress in the north because it, it obviously replenishes when you stab it. So it looked like a Morgul blade, but yeah, it, it's none of that. I think it, there's a lot of threads that stupid. they start off. Um, it's stupid. It's just stupid. And how does it? How does it end? It ends with the flooding of all the oh, oh the Numenoreans taken back to the to the base camp. Yeah, Numenoreans taken after the battle. Numenoreans taken back. Uh, they take him. Yeah. And then that's it. Like you don't, you don't get it, right? Like Halbrand's like, "Oh, yeah, I'm your king, but I'm going to go up north and get healed." And then, yeah, it's just it's and it's a weird, weird ending. As a king, oh, yeah. away. and then yeah. the Arondir Bronwyn and Theo basically saying, "We'll we'll establish a new settlement and a new life north of uh, this." Oh yeah, to the Pelagia yeah. or whatever. Yeah, okay, that's fine. Halfwoods, Halfwoods, and, and the stranger. Halfwoods, yeah. who cares? Who cares about Halfwoods? Okay, um, if the, the stranger, stranger, if the stranger was not part of this arc, no one would give a shit about the Halfwoods. I don't think anyone gives a shit about the Hobbits yeah. anyway. In general, yeah. yeah. Oh, no, no, not in the story. As in the only thing that makes them compelling is the fact that they have something to do with the stranger. 
right? Because the whole Halfwood storyline is not like the Hobbits. In the original Lord of the Rings, the Hobbits were meant to be like the audience relates to the Hobbits suddenly facing all this darkness and enemies and dragons and shit. Whereas here, you can't relate to, the, to these Halfwoods at all. Because yeah. they're, they're these nomadic- The Halfwoods aren't meant to be yeah. in the story. Man, I was hoping the Halfwoods would just die. <laughs> just let them all die, episode one. Let the, <laughs> the, 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 the Hobbits are terrible people. Can we just talk about that for a second? The they are terrible people. They're like, li- yeah. we wait for you. They're fucking talking Ooh. about know, leaving these people behind sure, and taking their wheels. Someone is disabled. Yeah. yeah. They're like, fuck you, man. You get <laughs> yeah. Seriously, that's what they told yeah, yeah. this guy. And this is what I'm talking about. It's shit writing, right? Like, you're talking, like, these guys have this whole night about, it's like, we'll wait for you. Like, oh, this person died by bees. We'll wait for you. Yeah, Sam is like, saying, oh, yeah, this one, yeah, got killed it by It turns out all these people were actually bailed on by the group. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's what you feel. Situation. I don't know. There's no, again, very little character development, very yeah. little progression. You don't really yeah. care about any of the characters. Let's talk about the stranger. Fuck the stranger. Does not even talk about that? Yeah, we don't need to talk about him. The stranger was weird. Oh, so I'll, 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 I'll mention that Markella. I'll, I'll mention that Markella Cavanaugh's depiction of Nori. That was done well in, in her own yeah, character. That was yeah. done really well. Like she, what she and had Poppy. to do was yeah. Megan Richards. I mean, like what she had to do with her writing is fine. I'm like, I, like whatever. Do you care? Well, I, I think she's meant to represent the innocence, the wonder, and the hey, adventure. Hey, who gives a fuck? Here's the thing. <laughs> when, when, yeah, like when you don't connect those themes to why we should care, yeah, exactly. then people don't understand. Okay, obviously, I'm, well, this I'm this pretty is- sure she's like a representation. Well, her and her friend are like. Yeah, Poppy. Yeah. Frodo and Sam. Frodo and Sam, essentially. Essentially. So like, you can tell. Yeah. And it's some executive yeah. producers like, like Frodo we and have Sam, to have. Frodo yeah. and Sam in the MCU. <laughs> MCU, yes. yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's all it was. So. Yeah. Oh, God. Um, anyway, the stranger. Okay, stranger. Yeah, so, a- stranger rocks up in a meteor. He's a meteor man. Meteor so, man. is this in the first episode? That, that Very happens? first. At Very the first. end of the first episode, you okay. see the meteor so coming. So, literally nothing happens between that and the end. Yeah. That's it. Like, he's, like, he, yeah. he doesn't talk. He exhibits magic, yeah. which has been, which some of it seems dark, some of it seems light. Yeah. Yeah. Let me just say that nowhere in the lore does it seem like when the, the Valar send over or, like, when whoever whoever tells is Manway who sends Gandalf over Manway yeah yeah never does it say you get reincarn reincarnated as a retard <laughs> <laughs> and then you need to work up and wipes. go to level twenty yeah. Lord of the Rings and fucking do all the grinding <laughs> and then then you can suddenly learn to speak English instead of all you know like what the fuck what like this is just a play it's just it's a play just to fuck around with the audience like. Yeah, right? it's it's a subvert expectation. That's, well, that's all it is. It was well uh, in the beginning, no one knew who this was. So as a draw, it was very mysterious, and it was like, okay, even I was mostly invested as to finding out who the who the hell is this guy, right? Is it is he actually Sauron? Is it a Istari? Is it a? Did you ever think he was Sauron? No. Well, here's the thing. No, but when they no, said but it, when there's so much like no, when there's no answers being provided, you kind of go a bit crazy and like you start in the last answers. episode when they said Lord Sauron or whatever to him and called him Sauron. That's when I messaged you guys and I was like, fucking watch this episode. Right. Fucking see this <laughs> because of what's it. But I was like, I was like, no, nah, he's not. I know. But I was like, if this is what they're running, I got excited. I was like, okay, wait, wait, wait. Actually, we might have something here. This might be cool. Like, and then, yeah, no. it just got. <laughs> so, <laughs> you're getting too much. Yeah, I did got taken. Who are those guys? Who are the, those guys? The mystics, but... they're, not in the, they're not any, like, book No one things. fucking knows, man. <laughs> but they exist in the unseen world. That's all I know. Because well, they, in, they, in they the just turn unseen. up in the second last episode, right? Or did no, I forget no, no, no. that they're, they're, they're in there? They're in there. They're in there. Episode two? Episode four, I think. Yeah. Three okay. or four. They, like, think- show up at the meteor site. That's the first time you see oh, it. Oh, yeah. Okay, I remember out. now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Given that they can manipulate 
they're showing more magic than fucking Galadriel, which annoys me. They 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 look like some form of a Maya, but not Maya, like yeah, lesser, that, lesser Maya. But it doesn't. You know what doesn't make sense? What doesn't make sense is that where are they from? If they're from someone, surely they'll be from Sauron, or they'll be doings of Melt. Like this, it doesn't make. sense. If yeah. Sauron's around, he's clearly doing things on purpose. So where the fuck are they from? They're from Rune. That's what they say. They're from Rune, the east, the eastern parts of the of Middle Earth. But- and what? So, they're, so they're so they're retarded. Like they're just like, oh yeah, we'll just find someone that's magical, and then we and can figure out Sauron. if they're Sauron. <laughs> like yeah. what the fuck? Sauron is Sauron is around. Like where's Sauron's this a- assumption well, that the, the thing is they play this whole thing with the, the constellation. Yeah, but that the constellation's got nothing to do with Halbrand. Yeah. Like they, like that. Like it's completely my, separate story. Yeah. Like, my you know my I mean? interpretation like, is when he was sent this meteor man. When he was now that we know who the easy star is, that when he was sent, he was given certain directions or instruction, mm. and this was one of those things that he kind of is trying to remember. But it it just it just it's just telling him to go east. That's all it is. It's they they, they did it to subvert the expectations. There's still the hope that he could not be Gandalf, but there's too I'm, much. I'm I'm in the blue wizard camp, even though there's like five or but six. So far, our pretty, the dumbest theory is the correct theory. No, no, no. The my, dumbest, most obvious piece of shit writing is the is the writing they're going with. Maybe, but my my thinking so is that <laughs> the the creators and the production team and the executives want to keep it ambiguous so that people think it's Gandalf, and then so they can double fake out and later on say, "Oh, it's one of the blue wizards." That's why they gave him the I mean, line. Rune, it's not. I mean, Gandalf technically isn't supposed to go to Rune, right? Gandalf he says said, he won't go to the east. Yeah, Gandalf says one he, place I, I will not go, go to uh, the east to, to which I will not go. But all right, here are all the hints that it's That's Gandalf, right? A, he's moving around with the precursor to Hobbits. B, he literally has that same line That's to- That's uh, Well, the one it's is American. like, go, go, one, go back to Shadow, right? He's like, oh, return back to the Shadow from which you came. Similarly to go back to Shadow. The always follow your nose line, which is really on the nose, pun intended. Also, I never- I, Was that even a good quote from Lord of the Rings? I thought that was a stupid quote. It was follow your nose. I don't oh, even- Yeah. yeah. It, was, it was a memorable quote was in that- follow your nose? the fuck? <laughs> it was in Moria when he's talking to- when he's like, the air doesn't smell so foul. Down, Very you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Always follow you. It's, it's one of those last lines from Gandalf before he dies. So, you, oh, you remember it. Then it's like... Air well, doesn't smell so foul is a far better phrase. Like, that's a far better thing to use in follow you. Well, it, it's the context. Then he's like, when in doubt, always follow your notes. Yeah. 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 It would have been cool if he's just like... Uh, but this guy's out in open air and he's like, yeah, that way. What? What the fuck? Is this? <laughs> Has he got a hay fever? It would have been cool if Nori's like, which way to ruin? He's like, Left. <laughs> <laughs> just like that scene yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah so like there's there's a little bit of ambiguity that okay, they're trying to lead it to see that it's Gandalf. I reckon it's just done to make everyone think it's Gandalf. So that casual fans who haven't seen season one might, might want to consider watching it. Start watching it. There's a I, I think there's every chance in the world they could twist it again and make it. I swear in the law, I've said this multiple times now, like but like Gandalf is sent by Manway. He arrives on a boat. In order but also in order to be a balance against the rising power of Sauron. Yeah, yeah. Like that's correct. the whole thing. Correct. And he's scared and he actually doesn't want to go initially. Yeah, exactly. And then- And, and he, that, that's what Manway said. He's like, that's why you have to go. Yeah. And also he naturally has like the ability to- he's Like the- what's uh, He can manipulate fire and stuff. Like mm. That's kind of one of his- Yeah, basically. And then he but, wears the ring of fire. Well, he arrives and Kirdan greets him. Yeah. And then Kirdan gives him the ring oh, of fire. Oh, straight away? Yeah. Oh, pretty fuck, much, that's pretty no much. It's, it's a sick scene. Like he comes on a boat. He's in his like his old man and stuff. He's kind of like, he's the he's, well, you're right. He's scared about being in Middle Earth. He's scared about facing this threat. And Kedan's like, take this, and he gives him the ring of of, of fire. Yeah, mm. Naria, I think it's called. The strongest one is so, air, isn't it? Which is yeah. Galadriel's. Air is Elrond's. Galadriel's Nen- is adamant. Stone of adamant. Yeah, Nanya. Adamant's Nanya. Anyways, it's a sick scene, and it's like. 
there's no there's no surprise. Yeah. But this is obviously like, you know, one of the Istar. And it's stupid. Like, why are the mystics how the mystics get that, that wrong? Like, like I know. What, he's so, not that's that why I'm wrong. like, so where, like, where are you coming from and how'd you fuck this up so much? And they're honestly like they just like I said, they just play more magic than anyone else in this show. Like this yeah. guy's like shape shifting and yeah, stuff. That, that's yeah. that looked cool. Yeah. That looked kind of cool. That's annoying. They're yeah. shape shifting, they're fire breathing, and they're doing weird like yeah, they're doing bro, everything that Sauron needs to do in this You can't do anything, bitch. <laughs> Dude, uh, but we we had a conversation yesterday where you're like Sauron's. You were describing how he's in the game, like he's this blonde. Yeah, yeah, Anata, yeah. Mm, yeah. I'm it's like, sick. it's dope. That's what I was saying before when you yeah when you went out. It's like that's so cool having like a character that doesn't look what you would normally put, think of as evil, mm. but then portrays like the ultimate evil. Yeah. That's like this. That like contrast is dope. And I was just seeing these people. I'm like, maybe one of these people is like maybe that main one is Sauron, but. It's just some. You're giving them. I think we're giving the writers too much credit. Even this whole <laughs> thing about. I saw this thing about how they they wanted to judge the audience's reaction to the to the reaction of whether it's Gandalf. Yeah. And they didn't want to confirm it because they could, if they want, they can change they it to change who was it, later. Yeah. Even that. That's too smart for me. Like these guys have shown that they're not comp- like competent. So <laughs> I don't believe that they're going this far. I think they went with the thing that it's Gandalf. If they change it, fine, whatever. Yeah. But I, I firmly do believe that they're just running with Also, it. if this yeah. next season is coming out in a few years, are we going to forget this shit? 100%. <laughs> Why? Yeah. Oh. 2024, I think they said. Oh, yeah, 2024. Yeah. They're Was really going to this up. Any other story arcs we forgot? No, just the, the one line that he has that I'm good. Ah, <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> you are not yeah. peril. You are not a peril. Yeah. You are good. And the whole- You could have said Nori teaching him- I'm the servant of fire. would have been amazing. Like, just something like that, you know? Mm-hmm. There's still enough dialogue. But then that's- Well, then that will be- yeah, that, so that's too much. That's well, better than way I too much. I mean, that's a line that Noria gives him. I get it, but it's like, yeah, there's sometimes you can be a little bit too. I am good. <laughs> it was literally just that. I'm like, get elaborate. Uh-huh. How can you able to say like that? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think that's, they should have given. Yeah, me, I like, think that's. <laughs> yeah, Daniel Daniel Wayman was the guy who portrayed the stranger. Great, he's a good actor. Great, good oh, actor. amazing. He's like, especially when he's like, I I love when he's speaking all of the lines to the trees and he's trying to wake, like he's trying to heal them. Uh, I. What did you say? Ayurveda. Acid. Mad acid, bro. He seems he genuinely mixing sad. Mixing all sorts of drugs like, that day. That's when I thought, oh, could this be like Treebeard or someone? Because he's really sad every time nature gets harmed. I love that depiction. You thought even, he was Treebeard? Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> could it be Treebeard? He has you know, sex with a tree and then he Because <laughs> you know when Treebeard greets Gandalf, he's like young master Gandalf. He's older than Gandalf. So like, oh, maybe he's the second age mystic that came okay. down. Yeah. Even his development was, it went from like nothing. To slow progression yeah. to like immediately quoting language in English to Norway. Yeah. In yeah. like using uh, quotes and words. Yeah. What the fuck? What is that stuff? It's what they. Oh, it's I don't know. Weird. More questions. Why do they turn to moths? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, that's that's also. That's, that's also. That's a Gandalf. That's a Gandalf. Right? Like. For, oh, it's it's reference to the Peter Jackson film depiction of Gandalf, not the books. The moths. They don't have moths in the books. Oh, there's no, no. there's no there's no motif. Even even when Gandalf gets the moth and describes it, a lot of people are like, "Right, I guess is it someone?" No, it's just meant to represent nature. That's it, right? I guess. Oh yeah, we Potential could do final ratings. Was, huh? Final ratings. Yeah, we could do final ratings. Obviously, mine's a cognitive regression. So. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Regression I don't know. I, don't, I reckon yeah. needs yeah. chemotherapy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. I don't know. I'm gonna go like two two out of ten. I think. The tree of Gondor is slowly f- yeah, shedding three out of ten. That's my rating. Slowly. It's half shed its leaves. Okay, but there's still hope. Oh, okay. For me, the tree of Gondor is on fire. It's on fire, and Pippin's vision, Pippin's vision of Gondor through Sauron's yeah, eyes, worse than that. <laughs> burning to death. <laughs> Denethor just hacking away at the bottom. <laughs> That's what this is. Uh, 
I think we'll close it there. So if you guys have any thoughts on Rings of Power, what, what, uh, reply to our what TikTok. What is that? I still don't know whether that's a – is this a good thing? What, what is your – What, what the, 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 the leaves the, are slowly going away. No, no, that the tree is half, half, half empty. So half, I guess half, it's half, uh, 50%. 50%. 50%. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, yeah, 50%. I'll, I'll put it there because there's, there's a lot of passion from the creative team. There's just the delivery wasn't there. Fair enough, yeah. fair enough, fair enough. No, I yeah. get you. All right, uh, yeah, reply to the TikTok that we put out on this. I've got two and a half hours of content. <laughs> what are you going to <laughs> And if you want to support the podcast, give us a review on iTunes or Spotify. Cognitiverecalibration.gmail.au <laughs> Almost. Recalibrationpodcast.gmail.com <laughs> Thanks, guys. That was a long one. I uh, couldn't have done it without you. <laughs> yeah, no uh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you I, summed it up. You could have done it without minutes. me, but <laughs> <laughs> we could have done it without you. Uh, so, yeah, thanks Thanks for joining yeah, Thanks us. for inviting Spoke us. A yeah. lot of shit. This, no this kind of wraps up our Lord of the Rings. Watch yes. Until, and I'll back. give you guys all a rest for a, for a little while. So next week we've got Black Adam. So me and Taran will tackle that one. We'll get you back on at some stage, maybe towards the end of the year. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for hanging on. Be good. <laughs> I am good. <laughs> all right. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Hope you're all staying safe, and we'll see you next week for Black Adam. No more quarantine, so who cares? Yeah. Catch up. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.